Pro football player Travis Kelsey is pressed for time during the football season. So he does two things at once. Whether it's grilling while mowing. Two things at once! Or getting this season's updated COVID-19 shot at the same visit as his flu shot. Two things at once. You can be like Travis and ask your pharmacist about getting this season's COVID-19 shot at the same visit as your flu shot, if you're due for both, as recommended by the CDC. Learn more and schedule at VaxAssist.com. Sponsored by Pfizer. While many kids are making their holiday wish lists, the patients at Nationwide Children's Hospital are simply wishing they could be home. But you have the power to make their stay a little brighter. The moment you make a donation, the butterflies on the lawn at Nationwide Children's light up for our patients to see. And that gift brings joy, funds research, and the world's finest care. Please, light up the lawn, light up a life. Give now at nationwidechildrens.org slash give. Josh Allen, looking deep, going deep. To me, talking about the Bills, what else would you rather be doing? We're hoping to add a, a new dimension to the Cover One Network. Slings it deep downfield, Right now, I just want to talk about this championship level. I've never had a championship caliber team to talk about. I want to focus more on the storylines each week. What are the big stories going on with the Bills? What are uh, thoughts, commentary? How do these things impact Buffalo? Deep drop. Deep throw. And it is pulled in for the touchdown. Allen deep to the end zone and caught for a touchdown. Play action. Welcome into a new edition of the Going Deep Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Kevin Masseri, here with Mike Bunt. We're going to talk a lot about the Patriots today, and we have two very, very special guests to get into. And whoa, we got an action-packed show here. The U.S. men's national team moves on to the round of 16 for a big day there. But more importantly, Bill's Patriots for a really, you know, kind of, it's, get, it's getting early late here for both teams. So we have on first Chris Price, host of the Patriots Report on Believe, Boston Globe writer. Chris, thank you so much for coming on the show today. My pleasure. My pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I mean, what a, what a, I guess, wild game from the start for me. I mean, if you look at it on paper, there's a lot of things to go through DVOA metrics. There's a lot of advanced statistics that point to this being a really interesting game, Chris. And I wanted to, I guess, ask you first, and I, I like to ask all the guests, if you wouldn't mind recapping your opinion and your thoughts of the Patriots season to get uh, to date and kind of why, why are they in the situation they're in today and, and kind of bring us up to speed here as we hit December 1st here soon. I think one of the great things about covering this team on a regular basis is they're never boring. Um, There's always something to write about. There's always some sort of drama, whether it was the Mac Jones versus Bailey Zappi drama earlier this year, or, you know, play action versus no play action, or, you know, using each and every game and and drive to, you know, as, as a referendum on Matt Patricia's play calling abilities, there's always something with this team. Um, Even with the loss last week, They've certainly appeared to be heading in in a in more positive direction. I'll, I'll say that. Um, the loss to the Vikings, I think, caught some of us by surprise on a number of levels, including the fact that, first of all, the Patriots very rarely get beaten when it comes to special teams. They're one of the better special teams in the league on a regular basis. And to give up a kick return and then to commit the, the really horrible running into the puncher penalty at the worst possible time, I think that threw some of us 
The other thing that obviously threw a lot of us too is Mac Jones threw for a career high in terms of yardage, and so that is available. And I know that it's a week-to-week thing and a scheme-to-scheme thing, but we really haven't seen a lot of that from Mac over the course of his career when you're talking about that level of offensive explosion and ability to go toe-to-toe with another team in a shootout. So I guess if I had to kind of sum it up a little bit to this point in the season, it's been a bit of an up-and-down ride for this team. And I think, you know, I'm crossing my fingers here, I think they're headed in the right direction as they come into really their biggest game of the season. And that's a an interesting point. It, from an outsider point of view, it feels like it has been a roller coaster season for New England. You had all of the offseason talk about this looking like the worst offense anyone has ever seen uh, up in New England. Um, a lot of talk, rumors, stuff like that from practice. But now they've won five out of seven. Uh, important game, obviously, coming up against Buffalo where Patriots get a win. They're within one game potentially of the AFC East lead. Is the the vibe in New England that uh, this is a team that is on the right, uh, that is correcting their wrongs and on the right uh, path heading towards the end of the season? Or is there some fear factor that if they lose to Buffalo, it could spiral in the wrong direction at the end? I think right now there's probably a little bit more of the latter than the former, although I'll say it's 51 to 49%. There's a lot riding on this game for the New England Patriots. Honestly, when you look at where they are in their schedule the rest of the way, they win this thing, they find a way to beat the Bills, they go to 7-5, and five, and then they go out west, and they have two very winnable games against the Raiders and, the, and the, the Cardinals. Then you could start to see a path to 10 wins, 11 wins, and a possible playoff spot. I will say this, that... The defense needs to continue to play like they played, at least right up to the Minnesota game. They were exposed a little bit, I think, in the Minnesota game. Uh, And you need to get a better performance on special teams than you got last week. This team is going to go as far as the defense and the special teams can take them. I think offensively, it begins and ends with Rondre Stevenson, who's had a very, very good year. Um, But he is really their primary offensive option. Uh, Stevenson and Jacoby Myers are their two best options. Uh, when you're talking about the you know the offensive side of the ball. So I guess ultimately to answer your question, there's a lot riding on this game. And, and I think in, in a lot of ways, this game is going to end up determining how the Patriots, you know, the path for the Patriots the rest of the regular season. This game is a pivot game in a lot of ways. If they win, there's a path to the playoffs. If they lose, I think there's an awful lot of uncertainty surrounding this team over the last month of the season. I think what's interesting to me is you mentioned Ramondre Stevenson and his ascend to the running back one position and really being uh, provided the opportunity to to dominate at times. Now, Damien Harris looked like he was on crutches from our understanding. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that I guess I want to stay there for a second. Is he for officially out? Do you, do you expect that to be a big hit? What will the Patriots look like now that they have to go to maybe some of their younger backs, the rookies, as their backup to Stevenson? They're not going to any of their backups. It's Stevenson or bust at this point for, for them. You know, they, they do have two young guys on the roster in Kevin Harris and Pierre Strong. But this game, you know, their fortunes on the offensive side of the ball are going to rise and fall with Stevenson, really. Uh, you know, he's done very, very well. I, I think he's fascinating for me because the Patriots this year don't have that James White, Kevin Falk, Shane Vereen type of third down back. James White retired right before the start of the regular season. Stevenson has not only filled the primary role, the between the tackles guy, but he's also caught 50 passes through 11 games. And so when you look at the total package, what he brings to the field, got a very unique skill set when you're talking about, you know, comparing him to P. 
Petrich running backs the pass. So, yeah, look, this thing is going to work if Stevenson works. If Stevenson ends up rushing 25 times for 110 yards and catches five passes, you know, things are going to be okay. But, look, if Stevenson gets injured or is ineffective or there's a problem, you know, run blocking along the offensive line, the, the Patriots aren't going to have much of a chance. What type of strategy offensively do you think the Patriots will come into this game? Obviously, running the ball is going to be crucial. Um, it, it seemed like last year after the the Monday night game uh, in Buffalo, it really kind of changed the Bills' offense uh, at the end of the, the season. They realized we have to find a way to stop the run. We can't just rely on Josh Allen being our hero. And in late December and then in January, the Bills found – uh, their run game, and they they practically became unstoppable come playoff time outside of the 13 seconds. Now, with a game like New England, is that going to be the strategy where New England just tries to keep attacking on the ground and keep that clock burning? Are they going to open it up a little bit for Mac Jones, uh, uh, especially with Josh Allen not being 100%? Is this a game where Belichick maybe thinks he can keep toe-to-toe with with the Bills maybe a little bit more offensively than they would if Josh was 100%. I think they showed an awful lot last week when it came to possibly opening things up and throwing the ball downfield. Hunter Henry got more involved in the offense last week than he had been all year. And I think part of that was scheme and comfort level, but I think primarily this is a team that's going to be focused on the short and intermediate passes as well as getting the running game going and really – keeping Josh Allen off the field. The old joke around New England used to be, you know, the best way to beat Tom Brady is to keep Tom Brady off the field. And I think a lot of the same philosophy here is at play when you're talking about Josh Allen in the way New England relates to him. I think that, you know, last December's game wasn't a fluke. I'm not saying that they're going to do the same thing this week, but they're going to run the ball. They're going to have to run the ball. They're going to have to run the ball consistently if they're going to want a chance to beat Buffalo. I think they're going to take some shots downfield. I think Devontae Parker has looked well when he's, you know, when he's been called upon, Nelson Aguilar had a good game last week. But I think by and large, you're going to see the short stuff. You're going to see the intermediate stuff. Jacoby Myers is going to play. And I think he's become one of Mac Jones's favorite targets because he is so reliable in those short and intermediate routes. So if I had to guess at this point, you're looking at a New England offense that's going to take things relatively slow and steady. They're going to take some shots downfield when it's there. But I think relatively, they're going to be more inclined to kind of slow things down a little bit. And here's a good question by Roy, and actually one that was on my notes I wanted to get to. The high-priced tight ends from last year. I know Henry got going uh, last week in a catch-not-catch situation. Looking at that from an outsider's perspective, looked like a catch to me. Um, I would have preferred that to be a touchdown than not because that opens up Pandora's box again, and we don't want to go there. Um, and we've seen that, and, and Bills being an offensive team that throws the ball a lot, I'd prefer not to get into this catch-no-catch situation. But as we stay on the tight ends – what's what's their inability to utilize those seemingly designated by Bill Belichick as high-end free agents for the organization? What's Why has have they been slow to get them going in the offense when, you know, they've been paid? I mean, I'm sure you talked about a lot in New England about the cap hit they, they, they represent. The other thing, too, when you talk about the history of tight ends in New England, I mean, really in a lot of ways the Patriots, I don't want to say invented the two tight end offense, but they certainly popularized it 10, 15 years ago with Gronkowski and Hernandez and allowing, you know, kind of deploying them in certain ways. I think a lot of people have been confused by it. I think, first of all, when you look at Hunter Henry's numbers, I think Hunter Henry did very well for working with a rookie quarterback last year. 
Um, I think we need to kind of readjust the expectations. Not everyone is going to be Rob Gronkowski and Tom Brady. And then, you know, no one's going to be able to replicate that. I think that being said, Hunter Henry did put up some good numbers. Jonu Smith is a little bit more of a puzzle. I know he's had some injury issues. They've asked him maybe to do some things that he necessarily wasn't comfortable with all the time or wasn't particularly, you know, they didn't necessarily play to his strengths 100% of the time. So I think that was a bit more of a challenge. I think when he's gotten the ball, I think he has done relatively well, but it's a matter of just finding ways to maximize his maximize his strengths within that New England offense. Yeah, that's good. That's good. That's a good note uh, from the tight end situation as they take up twenty three million on the cap. I mean, it's it's yeah. it's a pretty big number. Uh, it that's, is. That's quarterback number. So uh, that's really interesting to kind of see that develop out over the last twelve months plus uh, from that position group. And uh, as it looks like. The Bills have, are just coming off a Vikings game themselves and another and, and in a similar game that the Patriots just played in. Higher scoring, crazy plays, calls, no calls. Uh, it was it was pretty similar in a lot of ways, uh, back and forth between the Bills, Vikings, Patriots, Vikings, and in a primetime affair there as well. What are you looking forward to? Like one thing that the Packers tried, and they kind of got a little bit popular where let's try to run on the Bills, even if we're losing, if we're down 10, if we're down 14. It's better to run it and maybe get points out of it that way than it is to speed up the game um, or uh, try to go out with our passing offense. Now, Vaughn Miller himself asked Aaron Rodgers, like, hey, why aren't you guys throwing the ball? Like, we, <laughs> you're not, we don't think you're going to win like this. And I'm going to tell you that uh, from Vaughn Miller's mouth himself. By the way, Vaughn Miller just said now on his podcast, he expects to play next week against the Jets, mm. just coming out just now. So we'll see how true that is, but he's a pretty straight shooter. So we'll see if, as that story develops just now on his own podcast, uh, saying that he expects to play uh, against the Jets uh, in 10 days following the, uh, the Patriots game. So that's an interesting note there from Vaughn himself, but staying on topic, what do you think? Like, do you personally think running the ball is the way to win? I, I liked what I saw out of Mac Jones. Yeah. And that, that, that makes me more nervous looking at it from a bill's perspective than only Stevenson winning the game. The Bills have been really good against Alvin Cook. They were really good against uh, earlier this year against Derrick Henry. They were great uh, last week uh, against Jamal Williams. And they were amazing against Nick Chubb. So the Bills will stop the run. Yes, they've had a few gaffes in there um, at times. But do you want to see the offense continue to stay open up? Because as a Bills fan, I'm looking at this like, hey, I want them to run the ball. So what, what is your perspective on if they should continue that trend and to continue Mac Jones uh, taking the team, the offense specifically on his shoulders. Yeah, I think it all depends on how they start. You know, it, it, this team has had – it's been so inconsistent out of the gate, but when they've played well, they've had good starts. They've had early starts. They've scored, you know, not in the first quarter, but but they, they put up points on the board and they've been able to control the tempo of the game. And I think a lot of that is going to – whether or not – if, if, they, if they're going to run a lot, they're going to have to be able to – control the game early and and i think that's key if they could make keep it manageable if they could stay within one score if they get you know if they go into halftime and they're up or they're only down three or they're only down seven i think that's more manageable they're going to have to open it up if they get down in the second half and I, i'm not telling you guys anything you don't know but it's really it's underscored here when you talk about this game and this game plan the patriots cannot allow this game to get away from them they are not going to beat buffalo in a shootout whether in buffalo or new england they want to keep this game relatively close. They're they're not gonna they're not built to win in the 30s. They're built to win more in the teens and the 20s. The way they're currently constructed, that doesn't necessarily mean Mac is not going to take shots down the field. 
but it has to come within the, the overall context of the game plan. The other thing too, that I think is absolutely vital for New England. They have to get special teams magic. They have to get a big return. They have to get a blocked punt. They have to get another great performance from Nick Folk. Nick Folk is one of their, probably their three or four most important players on this team this year. Um, we did a Twitter poll the other day and, and the, you know, the MVPs of the t- team, Stevenson, Judon, and Nick Folk. Those are the, those are the three names that people bring up the most because Nick Folk has done such a tremendous job this year. So look, they're going to have to get something out of that special teams unit. Again, whether it's a big return from Marcus, Marcus Jones, whether it's, you know, five field goals from Nick Folk, you know, a block punt, you know, punt return, whatever the case may be, they're going to have to get that. I think if they're going to want to compete with the Bills on Thursday. Something that I find very interesting, the last couple of weeks, and Kevin kind of alluded to it, when the Bills were playing Cleveland, the thought process is Nick Chubb's going to run all over them. And it wasn't Nick Chubb. It ended up being um, Jacoby Brissett, who was converting on third and, third and long, third and long, consistently making big plays. Ended up throwing for over 300 yards. Last week, uh, there was fear that Williams might light them up on the ground, but it ended up being Jared Goff having a pretty solid game throwing the ball around. It seems like when the Bills are ready for a solid ground attack, they prepare for it well and they can stop it, but they're vulnerable um, through the air against some people that you'd consider lesser quarterbacks. Now, last year, Mac Jones had a sensational rookie year. Uh, we, we were talking about Mark's, we were talking to Mark Schofield at one time and he was joking that people were, were calling Mac the next Tom Brady, obviously joking around because he was having a good rookie year. But so far with the Patriots offense this year, they're 25th in DVOA. It seems, at least from looking out at the, bo- the box scores, that Mac Jones has regressed this year overall. Is that the case? And is it a concern that we are late in year two of Mac Jones and we're talking that they have to run the ball instead of maybe opening things up a little bit more? Or is that more just a product of you're going up against Josh Allen and you just want to keep the ball out of his hands as much as possible? I think there's a little bit of that. I also think, too, that when you specifically – I think when you specifically look at – if we had this conversation before last week, before last Thursday, I think I I would have put a lot of stock in that. But but the way he bounced back against Minnesota on the road, having – arguably his finest game in New England, his finest game of the year, and then his finest game in New England, I think he has kind of turned things around a little bit. Now, it's all about, obviously, as you guys know, it's all about stacking success and being able to build on that and being able to put another consistent performance together like he did last week against the Vikings. So I think part of it is keeping the ball out of the hands of Josh Allen. I also think part of it, though, is playing to your strengths. In the running games, the strength of this team and I think Mac recognized that. I think I hope Matt and, and Matt Patricia recognize that as well. And so, again, I don't think we're looking at a situation where Mac is going to open it up and pull a Dan Fouts and throw for 400 yards and five touchdowns. <laughs> I think he's going to to to, to look downfield when when the, the the plays are there to be made, or at least to kind of test that defense. But I think this is going to be more of a game where the Patriots are playing more of a controlled game on offense. Now switching to the other side of the field, the Patriots' defense has been fantastic once again. Number two in DVOA, one spot ahead of the Bills. And early on in Josh Allen's career, Bill Belichick shut him down. Josh Allen would look confused, out of sorts, which is what you expect 
with Bill Belichick going up against young quarterbacks. But that has not been the case the last two times the Bills have played the Patriots with them not even needing to punt in either of those matchups. Do you expect Bill Belichick to switch things up defensively or stick to the forcing Josh to try to check down, check down, check down, be patient, um, and hopefully he gets overly aggressive, makes a bad throw? Um, What do you really expect Belichick to throw at the Bills? Because I I was reading how they – one of the priorities this offseason was to get more athletic linebackers and to try to try to switch things up to make life more difficult for mobile quarterbacks. Has that been the case so far? Um, and what do you think you'll see on, on Thursday? Yeah, I, I do think, and I think Mike, one of the things that was interesting and I, I agree with, you, I think the focus was to try and get younger on the defensive side of the ball. And so you, one of the things that new England did was they didn't necessarily go out and completely overhaul their linebacker position, what they did was they went out and they got a lot of oversized safeties and they leaned into that. They went out and they got guys like Jabril Peppers. Um, Kyle Duggar continues to to emerge in that in that um in that defense. They did get more, they did get more linebackers and and the, you know the younger linebackers, guys like Mac Wilson, Rick Ron McMillan, who's actually played more special teams than anything else. Um, Josh Uche, those guys have started to emerge more and more. I wouldn't necessarily call them great playmakers, but I will say this that that they've had They've had more of a role this year than they've had over the last couple of years. Duggar in particular, who I think is absolutely vital to what they want to get done defensively. So they did get younger. They did get faster on defense. You have a guy in Matthew Judon who's having a career year who should be in the conversation for defensive player of the year. Um, And then you have those veterans also mixed in there very, very nicely as well. You have guys like Dietrich Wise, who's having a very good year. You have Devin McCourty in the back end, who's having a very good year. And you have the emergence of some young cornerbacks um, some young defensive backs like Jack Jones, who I think has played well. There was a lot on Jack Jones's Jack Jones's plate and Marcus Jones's plate um, with the departure of J.C. Jackson and before that, Stephon Gilmore. I think those guys have done everything that could be expected of them. I think they're going to have a huge challenge this week, you know, that being said. But I think that, that this New England defense, the second half of last week aside, special teams didn't do them a whole lot of favors when it came to, you know, creating good field position. But I think the defense as a whole, when you look at it, as a body of work over the course of the 2022 season, I think they've played very well. Yeah, if you look at DVOA, number two defense in the league, negative 17.8%. It's a great score, uh, one that definitely could present some challenges. Now, I wanted to ask you about them breaking tendency. Mike kind of alluded to this. Will they break tendency to to to, to uh, defend Josh Allen this week? Because we saw the Isaiah McKenzie game against man coverage. They have that ready to deploy. McKenzie came on really great in a similar type of setting against Dan Campbell's Lions last week in a situation where he's playing man coverage, he's faster than the slot corner. He just happened to be always open. If you want to take away digs, go ahead. They still found him late in that game anyways. Uh, do you expect them to break tendency uh, like they they didn't do last year, or do you expect them to – this is Belichick's defense. Based on film I've watched, you've rotated a lot of DBs. You play multiple safeties, multiple corners at times. Do you expect that heavy rotation? Do you expect him to stay with a certain set of DBs? You mentioned Duggar. Do you mention do we do we see more zone or or does he still stay man heavy? I think there's going to be a lot of rotation, and I think a lot of that is is going to be Jonathan Jones. I think Jonathan Jones had a very good year. Look, you know, guys like you know Jefferson last week. People people are getting on you know Jones for for Jefferson. Jefferson's a great. You guys know. I mean, Jefferson's a great wide receiver. He's going to get numbers against everyone. There's no. There's no one who's going to be able to shut him down. So I think the goal is to minimize guys like that, minimize those numbers. You know, 
And I think that's the attitude they're probably going to try and take with Diggs going into this one. So I, I think that, look, they're going to try and make you fight left-handed, you know? And, and so if they can, you know, if, they, if you can win a fight with one hand tied behind your back, well, good for you. And so I think the focus is going to be on, and the passing game is going to be on slowing Diggs. But, you know, Josh Allen is a different kind of cat. I mean, you guys know this. I mean, this, this is a guy, I don't know how many guys the Patriots have tried to slow with that skill set and how successful they've been. You know, I, I know they've tried a variety of things, you know, the, again, man zone, whatever the case may be. But I, again, I think that, you know, the bottom line is it, it, it goes back to keeping them off the field, you know, offensively. And you have to play really good complementary football. It sounds like I'm copping out here, but it sounds like, you know, <laughs> they really That's do true. have to play good complementary football. And the margin for her and for New England in this one, is really, really slim. They're going to need to get great performances out of their special teamers. They're going to need to get great performance out of their offense, their running game. That all feeds back into the defensive conversation when you're talking about slowing Josh Allen. And com- completely right with that. And that's actually, I think, one thing I read from the Patriots' uh, press conferences this week was that they need to play elite team football. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of incredible that Josh Allen has had the success against uh, the Patriots, I think I read somewhere that he has had three games of 300-plus yards passing and three touchdowns, no interceptions. And I think since Belichick has been there, only one other quarterback has done that. Uh, well, not one other quarterback, but that's only been done a max of one time by the other quarterbacks that have done that. Mm-hmm. And it, it kind of is remarkable because we all know Josh is great, but we wouldn't put him in – the class, I guess, of what Peyton Manning was when he was a, a Hall of Famer. Josh is obviously uh, ascending, and he is in that elite tier right now, but he's only been at that that level for a couple of years. And it's kind of incredible that he has found a way to, to kind of break the New England uh, defense. And I'm just wondering if it's the, the combination of him being able to run when you try to stop the pass or you try to – whatever you target, he has an answer for yeah. Um that that can't happen much to Bill Belichick where he's going up against a quarterback and the quarterback can virtually respond to whatever he throws at him. Yeah, it, it really is. Not, not just not just the ability to run and the, the you know having that big arm, but the size plays into it too. And look, Belichick will will go back to this. He's gone back to this a million times. The tackling and and you know the the you know the very essence of the game is to get the guy on the ground, and it, you know Josh Allen's a big guy, and he's a tough guy to bring down, and so you have to be in integrity. You have to have gap integrity. You can't have Judon and Wise or edge rushers getting past the quarterback and having that pocket breakdown because he's going to be able to find those soft spots in the defense. He is a very unique guy. Again, I, I'm I'm trying to think of a guy, Mike. You, you know, you bring up you know Peyton in his prime, but Peyton didn't have that level of mobility. You know, there, there, there are guys who he's faced on a one-off basis. I know he had great respect for Ben Roethlisberger, and he's the kind of guy who had that big arm and had that size, but he wasn't that mobile. He wasn't as mobile as, as, as Josh Allen is. So, look, he presents a really unique skill set, one that, that you know, the kind of guy that I don't think the Patriots have faced, you know, certainly not on a regular basis. And, and you know, now they, now they have to deal with him twice a year. So they had success against him earlier in his career. He's been able to figure things out, and so it's kind of like a pitcher, you know, the second time through the second time through the lineup. Belichick has to figure out a way to make more adjustments and throw another curveball at him, so he can kind of stay one step ahead or try to stay one step ahead. 
Do you think his elbow injury will play a role at all in how Belichick game plans this week? He's obviously getting better. He's mm-hmm. played three games through it, but watching him the last few weeks, there are throws that Josh Allen is missing. And as, as Tony Romo said on the broadcast on Thanksgiving, you could hit nine throws in a row and then you, you go to uh, cock your wrist, cock your, your elbow, and then it just comes out wrong and it's a half second behind. That could be a pick. It could be an overthrow. It could be a throw in the dirt. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it has made an impact in certain Bills drives. Do you think that will play a role at all in how uh, they attack the Bills offense? I think that the where that would come into play, the most likely spot where that would come into play would be with someone, a veteran like Devin McCourty, who's been through this a million times, it, you know, and he's the guy in the back end. He's a center fielder on that defense. He's the kind of guy who would be aware of an injury or, a, you know, potential, again, a soft spot in the offense, a place where they could attack. Um, if it's, if a play is there to be made, I would count on Devin McCourty diagnosing the situation and eventually finding a way to make that play. We've seen that a couple times over the course of the year. Um, you know, the guys on the north side of 30, he is, I think he'll go down as one of Bill Belichick's favorite players of all time. And so I would think that if there is a situation that arises like that, if Allen is visibly, you know, bothered by the elbow issue and is off the mark on his throws, I would think that McCourty would be the kind of guy who would be able to diagnose it, would be able to make the play. Pro football player Travis Kelsey is pressed for time during the football season. So he does two things at once. Whether it's grilling while mowing. Two things at once! Or getting this season's updated COVID-19 shot at the same visit as his flu shot. Two things at once. You can be like Travis and ask your pharmacist about getting this season's COVID-19 shot at the same visit as your flu shot, if you're due for both, as recommended by the CDC. Learn more and schedule at VaxAssist.com. Sponsored by Pfizer. There's a reason Bowling Green State University is ranked number one in Ohio for student experience. Our in-demand degrees and life design program prepares students for their first career and their next. With an unparalleled support system at a national research university, BGSU offers an unrivaled experience, all on a vibrant campus in one of America's best college towns. It's also why Bowling Green State University is the number one school in the Midwest that students would choose again for the fourth year in a row. That's a good note. And to your point about Josh being different, leads the league in yards per carry, 6.9 yards per carry, has as many rushing yards as Jalen Hurts, a guy that you would think would have a boatload more of rushing yards. He does not. Uh, They're very similar in in rushing statistics. Advanced statistics say Josh Allen's a better runner uh, than him or or Lamar Jackson. And really Justin Fields and his crazy rushing year that he's having uh, is the only one ahead of them all. So what's interesting to me is you have that dynamic, and he still has uh, better statistics than Saquon Barkley. Uh, rushing mm-hmm. the ball so that's 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 really a, an interesting if you kind of put it into perspective on his rushing ability while being able to throw the ball that's that presents a challenge especially when he's right and did log his first set of full practices this week so uh, that's that's going to be an interesting thing to follow to see how much like Mike mentioned that elbow is going to be hurting that uh, him one last note I have I know we only have you for another minute or two uh, offensive line in and out I mean you have a warrior at the center position um, by all accounts it looked like a pretty bad injury kind of like Von Miller almost on the other side of the ball. Um, any worries? You still have a couple players log in limited practices. Is there, and then I do not participate from, uh, from when is that a worry for, for Thursday or do you expect 
some form of full offensive line uh, no, it being I, yeah. a pretty critical game. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a very real worry in New England. And I think part of it, I, I think New England is a little bit heartened. I don't know if that's the right word, but, you know, with, with Von Miller, you know, the uncertainty around Von Miller, I think that certainly helps out a beleaguered New England offensive line. One of the things to look for was that Mac made a concerted effort to get the ball out quickly against the Vikings. And I think that was one of the reasons why he at least appeared not to sustain any pressure. Uh, you know, I don't think that's the only reason, but I think that was one of the reasons why the Patriots had a little bit more success in the passing game when he had a career high in terms of passing yardage. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if Mac has that, you know, clock in his head, not that he doesn't usually, but specifically when it comes to the bills, you know, get the ball out, get the ball out, get the ball out, you know, in a, in a, in a relatively fast fashion. Um, because, you know, we've seen over the course of the year what happens when he doesn't get it out quickly. I think he is cautious to a fault sometimes when it comes to not throwing interceptions. Uh, he would rather take the sack than throw the interception or throw it out of bounds or whatever the case may be. But, yeah, I, I think the New England offensive line has been a bit of a concern for him, for, you know, for folks in New England. Um, but I think they've been ways, at least when it comes to the Minnesota game, they, were, they found ways to minimize it. Great. We have one final question for you here on the Going Deep Podcast. We ask all of our guests, and, uh, you know, we really appreciate you coming on once again. Chris Price, host of the Patriots Report on Believe, great uh, podcast network over there. They have many podcasts from a lot of different sports and different teams, uh, Boston Globe Writer as well. Score prediction. I know it's awkward. I know it's Tuesday. You got to put your hat on for a second. I don't know if you're going to write about it, pod about it. What are you going to put on this game? Do you think New England stays very much alive in this race, or do you think they very much kind of fall in danger zone against they obviously have the tiebreaker against the Jets, uh, luckily. But tell me about your score prediction where you see this thing coming off Thursday night. Right now, as we sit here, I think Buffalo wins this game where, you know, Tuesday night, a couple of, you know, a couple of 48 hours or so ahead of kickoff. I, I think Buffalo is going to win this thing. Um, I, I think New England's going to play really well, but I just think, you know, Josh Allen in, in that offense, they have too many weapons. They really do. And, I think New England keeps it close. I think they are competitive, but ultimately I think Buffalo ends up winning this game. I don't think they cover. I think the line's five and a half mm. right now, but I, I, I don't think New England wins this thing. Um, I'll say, let's say Buffalo 28, New England 24. Okay. So medium to almost higher scoring. Uh, Chris, we really appreciate you coming on. Great knowledge as always. Thank you for 30 minutes. We hope to get you on again. Uh, maybe another playoff edition. Uh, we'll see. I mean, I think that that's still in the running that this team, these teams could see each other. I definitely think some AFC team, AFC East teams will see each other three times this year. Uh, Patriots are right in that running to be one of those. And I think we see an AFC East matchup. Will it be Bills Patriots? This week has a lot to say for it. Chris, thank you so much for coming on. I don't know if you want to tell our followers where they can find you in some of the stuff you're working on this week. Yeah, I'm at C Price Globe on Twitter. That's C Price Globe. You can read my stuff at bostonglobe.com. I also have a new book out mm. for any hockey fans out there, The History of the Hartford Whalers called Bleeding mm. Green. It's available on Amazon and, and everywhere you get your books. So I'm sure, go get that for uh, your the hockey fan in your life for Christmas. I, I'm sure you're familiar. Very big hockey area here. So definitely that seems like a very interesting read. Um, so make sure you go and check Love that out. Love those old Adams Division battles between the Whalers <laughs> and, the, and the Sabres. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we hope that we ever saw those again someday. So um, thank you so much for popping on as always. It's going to be a great game and we look forward to speaking again. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate your time. Take care, guys. Talk soon. Have a good one. So, Mike, that was uh, action-packed here from our first guest. Uh, we have Mark Schofield here coming on very shortly. Um, what's your takeaway from everything that uh, that Chris had to say? 
Yeah, it's it's a Patriots team that seems to be playing with a lot of confidence right now. Um, even though they lost to Minnesota, feels like they they found something offensively, at least in the passing game uh, last week with Mac. Uh, obviously, the the rushing attack is going to be pivotal to their chances on Thursday night football uh, against the Bills. But you're talking about a, a New England team that has won five out of seven games, and uh, the Bills are going to have to bring their A game. It is not going to be an easy victory on Thursday night. It's certainly not. And we're going to keep this action-packed Patriots show alive. Uh, and we only, you know, we only try to bring the best on here on the Cover One podcast. Now we're, now we welcome in Mark Schofield, one of one of our favorite old friends. He does all of our shows here every year. He does shows with Greg and Aaron. I think that was last yesterday, um, or two days ago now. So it's just uh, fantastic to have Mark. Mark, how you doing today? I, I'm doing well, gentlemen. It's great to see you again, Kevin. Mike, great to be here. I love Bill's Week. It's one of my favorite weeks of the year. We had it three times. Last year, which is fantastic. And I just heard you with Christopher, who's fantastic. We might might get it three times again this year. Who knows how things shake out? Obviously, Thursday night will go a long way towards you know determining that. But it's great to be here. I hope everybody's doing well. Excited to dive in. Yeah, excited to have you. Like once again, really great to have two different perspectives. Usually, obviously, we have you on, uh, but it's great to hear from Christopher as well to kind of see where they're at from his perspective. And um, it's we're going to ask you a different set of slew of questions, probably a little bit more about Mac. Uh, et cetera, here as we get into some more of the game nitty gritty. And I want to start there with Mac Jones. We heard from Christopher earlier. He was able to open up the, uh, the game a little bit more against Minnesota. If you would have asked him a week ago, he might have said, run, 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 run. Uh, but now he's shown a little bit there after that crazy Bailey Zappi benching situation earlier this year. Where do you stand on that situation? Was it the right move early on? I kind of like what I saw from Zappy a little bit, uh, but that's totally an outsider perspective. So what's where are we at to date as we kind of recap Mac Jones? Yeah, I mean, this guys, this is still Mac Jones's team. I, I think the Zappy fever needs a little bit of context. It was against the Detroit Lions and the Cleveland Browns. Um, I do think Zappy certainly deserves credit for, you know, good performances in those games. I think he deserves credit for, you know, his first action at Lambeau Field on the road, like staring at Aaron Rodgers, um, keeping them in that game, getting them to overtime. Now, I know sitting here right now, you know, a close overtime loss to the Green Bay Packers isn't exactly a quality loss here in 2022. That's a team that's struggling. But Zappi had some good performances, but this is Mac Jones's team. Now, I, I think what's interesting about what we saw Thursday night, and Christopher was completely right about that, I would have thought going in, yeah, you're going to run the football. But they were banned up. Minnesota was in the secondary. So I think they had an idea that, hey, you know, maybe we'll be able to get something going in the passing game. Because I think, look, that's the piece they need to figure out. You know, they need to figure out their identity as a passing offense. What are they? Are they a spread team? Are they going to be more of an RPO team? They've tried to work RPOs into the game plan a little bit more. That's obviously something that Mac Jones did a lot of at Alabama. Are they an under center play action team? We saw some of that on Thursday night. They're still trying to piece together what they are as a passing game. We're after Thanksgiving, though. You should have figured that out by now. And that, that the fact that they're still trying to piece that together is a bit worrisome. But this is Mac Jones's team, and they're going to sort of sink and swim with him down the stretch. I, I know that the, the Zappy conversation has opened up sort of a longer-range discussion about what, what Mac Jones really is and is he really the guy. But until this season ends, it's his team. Yeah. Now, one thing I'm interested about Mac Jones is he, he had a sensational rookie year. And to the point where there were some people across the country that thought 
the Bills were going to be a one and done and that the Patriots were reclaiming their their throne in the AFC East. And maybe that was a little bit of fun and a little premature, but still it was a conversation that that existed. This year, the numbers haven't been there for Mac, but I think there's a lot of questions why that is the case. Obviously, the offseason, a lot of talk about who's the offensive coordinator, a lot of rumblings that this is one of the ugliest looking offenses heading into the season. Was this a case where the the Patriots tried to throw too much at Mac during the offseason or uh, tried to switch too much with their offense overall? And then after realizing it firsthand during the month of August and uh, the Miami game, we had to simplify things. And is this the product of now the Patriots going back to a more simpler version uh, of, the, of the offense for Mac, or is that just uh, too broad in general um, of an explanation for what's happened? No, Mike, I think you're in large part right about that. I, I think that, you know, and I, I've talked on this show and some of the other Buffalo shows about the importance of continuity around the quarterback, right? And Buffalo fans, you know, you all know this perhaps better than most, right? Like the continuity around Josh Allen was a part of his development to where he is today. Now, Josh Allen's own work in the offseason on himself, mechanics and all that stuff is obviously another big part of his development and progression. But having continuity and playbook scheme, play caller, it's very important for a young quarterback's development. The fact that, like you laid out, Mike, it's entirely correct. In you know August, July, training camp, this was supposed to be an outside zone, wide zone, boot action, Kyle Shanahan type of offense. That's what we were being told that this was going to look like. That's what they were running, you know, at the start of training camp. Then the pads went on. And like you said, it was, this is the worst offense I've ever seen. I've seen Pop Warner offenses that are better executed. I don't know what they're doing. And then Darte Skarnecchia, their old offensive line coach, who's now retired, sort of teed it up in an article that he interviewed we did with Karen Gagurgian at the Boston Herald that basically said, if it's not working, they'll scrap it. And like you said, Mike, week one against Miami, they had the second most outside zone, wide zone running plays in the entire NFL. That's gone now. Like they're a inside zone, tight zone, gap, power, duo. Like they've moved away from that in the run game. They still run outside zone stuff, but it's not like the core tenet of their offensive foundation that we were told it was going to be. And then in the passing game, they're struggling to sort of find, like I said, that identity, what they are as a passing offense. And I think when you're still – moving things around conceptually for a second-year quarterback, that can be a problem. I think when you're now third offense in three years, basically Alabama, Josh McDaniels, and now this Matt Patricia system, that's not beneficial to quarterback development. But let's also remember this. Last year was kind of the Mac Jones argument, right? It was he's the pro-ready guy. He's going to come in. He's not going to make a ton of mistakes. He's going to run your offense. He won't make him look bad if you start him right away. Talk to me in year two. Talk to me in year three. They're like, what's his ceiling look like? We're seeing year two right now, and there have been some ups. The first two and a half quarters against Baltimore, a lot of what he did against Minnesota, but there have been some downs. You've seen turnovers. You've seen his numbers against pass and pressure this year. 35th in the league out of 37 qualified passers and adjusted completion percentage with pressure this year. He's only ahead of Zach Wilson and Mitchell Trubisky. That's not great company. And he was pretty good against pressure last year. And when you fold that in with some of the offensive line woes, like Christopher just walked you guys through a couple of minutes ago, that's not a good combination. And so they're trying to figure out what they can do in the passing game. 
I think all the changes conceptually and in play call or in its system haven't been conducive to his development, but there are also things he needs to improve on. There are things that he needs to do better at. Like Christopher said, getting the ball out quicker, quicker, like he did against Minnesota to try and neutralize that pressure. It's certainly going to help, but it, the passing game is a big question. It's been a big question for basically this entire season. What's very, I guess, numbers that I was looking at here in pre-show and, and and just kind of going over myself. It's the kind of the offense in general, uh, the offensive total DVOA. I would have thought it would be higher than 25th, negative 9.3%. Personally, I, I thought they ran the ball a little bit better than, than, than those say, but DVOA would disagree with me. Do you agree with that, 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 that it's been poor overall? I don't, I don't, you know, let's throw Mac out for a second. Let's throw Zappy out. It, it, has it been that poor as a, as a whole where you're down there with, like you mentioned, the company down there with uh, a hurting Rams team, Carolina, Denver. Do you agree or, or is that, is there missing some, something there, some context there? No, I largely agree with that. I mean, the, the, the number I keep coming back to is 38.7%. That's the percentage of their red zone drives that end in touchdowns. That's mm-hmm. 31st in the league. They are, again, talking about company. They're just behind the Colts and the Texans, and they're just ahead of the Broncos. Are those offenses you want to be associated with in the year of our Lord 2022? No, <laughs> no. not at all. I mean, you're talking about Davis Mills, Sam Ellinger, whatever they're doing in the Colts, and whatever is happening out in Denver. And they can't finish drives. You look at what happened Thursday night. They had nine, and they had a play that after a reverse where they got kicked out of the the red zone. They were at like the plus 22 or something like that. So we'll call it 10 plays in the red zone. They weren't very effective on those. You had breakdowns in protection. You had breakdowns in routes. You had a play where Ramondre Stevenson is flexed outside the left, runs a curl. Nelson Aguilar runs it out right into him. You got two guys in the same area. You had that reverse play I mentioned to Kendrick Bourne that got stopped for a loss of seven. They struggled in the red zone. Yes, they had the Hunter Henry play, but that was ruled an incompletion. And so, you know, even if that went for a touchdown, they'd still be 31st in red zone touchdown percentage. It's not a great place to be. Their average is just, I think, what is it? 1.7 points per drive, which is 23rd in the league. Like they're struggling to finish drives with six. They're struggling to get into the edge zone when they get down to the red zone. And that's been a season long issue for them. And so are there things that they do well? Yeah. I mean, the, the running game, now that they've figured that out, that's working for them. I think they've figured out at least an under center play action passing game in the past couple of weeks. You saw some of that against Minnesota on Thursday night. I think they're figuring that piece to it. But they're not built to win shootouts. They're not built to win when they've got to throw it 60 times or something like that. They're built to win rock fights. You can win more rock fights in the NFL this year than the past couple of years because scoring is down. I don't think they're going to find themselves in a rock fight Thursday night. Yeah, it's ironic that you mentioned the the red zone uh, failures. Right, right. Because that's honestly been the Bills' kryptonite for this season. They have not been a good red zone team Uh, overall. Josh Allen, he had a stat, I think, midway into last year that he had never thrown a red zone interception. Well, it's the plague right now. Josh Allen's throwing interceptions left and right to whoever wants to take the ball uh, inside the 20. And what I, what I find interesting is last year, obviously the bills come into this year, all the Super Bowl hype, but a lot of people forget they were 11 and six. And at one point it looked like it was the Patriots division after winning that Monday night football game. And this year, eight and three, but there's still some of those 
those worries. But what you could do to beat the Bills last year was, like you said, run the ball, keep the clock going, and and squeak out those those low scoring games. But in recent weeks, when the Bills have played the Browns, when they have played the Lions, two teams that you would have expected to try to implement that strategy, Nick Chubb was nowhere to be seen in the running game. Williams, nowhere to be seen uh, in Detroit. But what did happen uh, was that Jacoby Brissett was converting on third and longs all over the field, hitting Amari Cooper. And then Detroit was hitting Amon St. Brown uh, all over the field. I have the feel. This is just me personally. I, I get the vibe. I think that might be the case a little bit again this weekend, Thursday night football, where everyone expects going in the Patriots to try to repeat what they did on Monday night. Obviously, crazy conditions last year, and and run it all over the Bills. But the Bills expecting that, stopping them early, and then the Patriots actually opening it up and having some success in the passing game. Now, will it be? A shootout. I don't. I don't think we're going to talk about a, a 35-32 game, but I actually think the path to a successful night will be Mac Jones spreading the ball out on Thursday night. What do you think about that? Am I am I way off? Am I crazy? Uh, or is there any uh, is there any logic behind what I'm? What I'm no, saying? I mean there, there's certainly some logic around that. Particularly that look, if you're Leslie Frazier, you're going to think what we're all thinking, right? You're going to assume, look, this is going to be a Ramondre Stevenson game. They're going to want to run the football. They're going to want to turn. Josh Allen into a spectator. The more time that 17 spends watching this game is the better from New England's perspective. So you want to try to stop the run. That might open up some opportunities in the passing game for the New England Patriots. Now, who are they going to be targeting, I think, is the next question off of that. Jacoby Myers has the shoulder. He said he was going to go. I'd expect he's going to go. You know, they're using Taekwon Thornton on some vertical stuff. Do you see a shot player two downfield maybe early in this game? Try to loosen up that secondary. That's something I'm kind of curious about myself. I think it's going to be a lot of 12, you know, with John O. Smith and Hunter Henry on the field at the same time. They found some things that work, particularly that sort of full house look with both of them in the backfield, some under center play action stuff that they might try to dial up. And so there will probably be, like you said, Mike, some opportunities for Mac Jones to make plays downfield. The question is, can he hit consistently? The question is, can he play a full four quarters? Because that Baltimore game, for example, you know, the Minnesota game on Thursday night, it was like two, three, three plus quarters of good football. But then when you need it down the stretch, it's not quite there. Can they put four quarters of a passing game together against a team that's not, say, the Zach Wilson Jets or, or, you know, the Detroit Lions or the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. And RJ has a really good point kind of to mimic, uh, to mimic Mike's point. He has a feeling that the, the Pats are going to throw all over him. I mean, it's not outlandish for Bills fans to think that because they've been poor. Like if you look at, if you look at the DVOA, like we were just in, you would, I, I don't know nationally or even regionally, locally, what you would think, but the Bills defense rushed DVOA third in the league at stopping the run. They had a couple big runs, one against Elvin Cook. Other than that, Minnesota did nothing. Um, Chubb's done nothing. Derrick Henry's done nothing. Jamal Williams, their game plan did nothing. Um, there's been a lesser backs that have found a little bit of success. But when, when, when the team has a focal running back, that's when the Bills are better against stopping the run. Way better at it this year than you saw in even that win game last year. The Bills did right. struggle last year. And to Mike's point of their record last year, it was an issue. Their past year is dipping. It's it's dropping. It's dropping like a like 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 a well, like Kevin, dropping it, a stone. It kind of makes sense when when they're going up against a big name running back. That's the easy target to to game plan for, which actually opens them up uh, in the secondary and. 
it, it, it is interesting because you, you have Trey White starting to get a little bit of time. Is he going to play more than 15 snaps this week? None of us really know, but I'm sure he'll see the field a little bit more. But Dane Jackson has been – teams have just been exposing him in recent weeks. Kyer Elam has missed some time recently. It's it's a bill secondary that over the last few years you just you don't even question because of the safety play because of uh, Trey White, but with Micah Hyde out of the lineup with you know, Trey just sparingly playing, it, it's weird to say it, but it is an area of weakness at times, especially when they're playing minus one of their starting linebackers in Tremaine Edmonds or um, Matt Milano, who I, I believe both will be in this game Finally. on Thursday, if what I'm reading is correct. But that's an area the Bills desperately needed Tremaine Edmonds back because when they've been missing Milano or Edmonds, doesn't matter who, they have been getting exposed. A completely different defense when those two are on the field healthy compared to when they're off the field. And you can almost single-handedly put that Minnesota loss on Tremaine getting hurt right at the end of the first half. Second half, defense couldn't stop anything. First half, they were playing dominant. So um, I know linebackers kind of considered the running back of uh, the defense as far as important. Right. But in this Bills defense, the amount of uh, field they cover, he can it, cover it'll receivers. be huge if the Bills can get Tremaine back on, on Thursday. Tremaine night. covers receivers, Mark. I mean, part, yep. of the scheme, part of the scheme was he was taking away Adam Thielen. He was taking away uh, uh, Hawkinson for the majority of the game. And you would think he would matter more against the run. And the Bills have saw a drastic decline against the pass. Uh, he's been out for two and a half games. Guess when they've struggled? These two and a half games uh, yeah. against the pass. So he, they will get a bonus getting back pretty much everybody on defense. You know, that's funny to say, minus Von Miller, who I don't know if you heard. He just tweeted himself yep. saying he expects to be back against the Jets next week. We don't know how that's possible. Uh, looked like season ending to being a one-week injury. Uh, we don't know where that, that gap came from. But uh, uh, that's what he's saying. But look, like – Von Miller himself, I, I mentioned this to, to Christopher, said to Aaron Rodgers, like, you guys can run the ball all you want. We're going to stay in nickel. Like, we, we expect you to pass. If we get up on you, we don't care if you run the ball. If you, you want to keep 17 off the field, we, when 17 goes on the field, we're going to score. So, like, what's interesting to me about that is, do you anticipate Mac Jones being able to match that kind of energy on a Thursday night football game? And I, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not convinced yet, maybe because it's the Patriots that they come out of nickel. I think you might see them in nickel a lot. Yeah, I mean, I think, and Christopher sort of talked about this too earlier, that they could score to stay close. I don't know if they could score enough to win. And and that's sort of the tension in New England right now with where this team is. You know, you saw it on Thursday night against Minnesota. They're able to score enough to stay in that game. But when it comes down to getting that next touchdown, getting that extra touchdown, finishing drives with seven, that's where they've sort of struggled. And I think that's going to be another issue for them on Thursday night. Like, I think they'll keep this close. I know we're going to do predictions here in a couple minutes. I think they can keep this game close. But I just don't think they have enough offensively to say win and put up enough points to beat Josh Allen. You know, it might come down to can they manufacture a special teams play? Can they manufacture a turnover or something like that? But if it just comes, if it's a clean turnover free type of game, I don't think there's a scenario where New England and Mac Jones are going to be able to like outscore Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, and company. Turnovers could are definitely in play, though. I mean, yeah, we, we, we kind of had a, this discussion on our show last week. The 
normally when the Bills lose, it's because they found a way to defeat themselves. Right. And I know that kind of seems a little bit condescending to opponents and not giving them enough respect, but I, I feel like it was probably very similar to the Patriots run. When they lost games, it was probably something that they did more so than yep. their opponents. And you look at the three losses this year. They had a game against Miami where they had a fourth and goal with the chance to win it at the end. Couldn't convert. Even forced a, a safety after that and couldn't score on the ensuing uh, final possession of the game. Had a chance to win against the Jets. Couldn't score in the end. And then Minnesota blowing a 17-point lead where they get the fourth down stop but still fumble a, a QB sneak and then throw a late interception. Josh Allen has been great this year, but he is one thing that he hasn't been – doing well with is protecting the ball at times and each week we're now asking do opposing teams have the player that can make that pivotal play Cleveland didn't Detroit almost did Uh, the Lions made plays that that put the Bills in a a tough situation late and this Patriots defense DVOA ranked number two I don't know if that was a surprise to you at all this year obviously Belichick is one of the greatest defensive minds in football but with with the guys that they've lost over the years to still be at this elite level how do you think they're going to attack Josh Allen and the Bills? Will they change anything up from the last two games where the Bills didn't punt? And, and do you expect them to have uh, more answers than what they have had in the past outside of the Monday night game, which we all know was just a complete ridiculous situation? Right, and it's interesting what they've done this year defensively because we're living in, and I know you guys have talked about this a lot, you know, the two-high world, right, where everybody's playing cover two, cover four, keeping both safeties deep. They've gone back to a single-high world. They've been predominantly cover one, cover three this year. Now, that was a little bit different Thursday night. They saw You saw a little bit more zone from them. You saw a little bit more two-high from them. I don't know if that was a Justin Jefferson-specific thing or if that's going to be what we're going to see from them again on Thursday night because they're trying to keep – you know, containment over Stefan Diggs. I think you probably see more zone, generally speaking, you know, because I'm certainly of the mindset that you want to keep eyes on 17. You don't want to turn your back to him. 37 becomes first and 10 if he has an opportunity to pull it down and make a play with his legs because he's just incredible at everything at the quarterback position. Um, you know, the one thing I am sort of curious about, Stefan Diggs specifically, you know, if they go man, who gets that assignment? Is it Jonathan Jones? You know, we've seen Jonathan Jones against when they went man with Justin Jefferson. It was Jonathan Jones when Tyreek Hill was in Kansas City or even the week one of Miami. It was Jonathan Jones. Is it Jonathan Jones against Stephon Diggs? Is it Jalen Mills with safety help against Stephon Diggs? Is it somebody else? You know, that's something I'm curious about when they do go man coverage in certain situations. Who's going to get the Stephon Diggs assignment? You know, with respect to Devin McCourty, I mean, if there's a turnover to be had, he's probably the guy to watch there. Um, And the other thing that they've done really well is get pressure with four. You look at their pressure numbers with four, top five in the league behind the Cowboys and the Jets in terms of pressure percentage when they rush four. They've got a really good sub package where they kick Dietrich Wise inside, Yushe and Matthew Judon off the edges. They really like that look. They'll go to it in sub package situations. I'd expect to see a decent amount of that. But let's not forget, you know, the DVO numbers are great, the DVOA numbers. Their five most recent wins are Zach Wilson twice, Sam Ellinger, Jared Goff, Jacoby Brissett. I mean, you have to give those numbers and what they've done defensively a little bit of context. They've got losses to Kirk Cousins, losses to Justin Fields, losses to Aaron Rodgers this year. They've struggled at times, too. Need quality and accessible health care at a minimal cost? 
Get Antidote Health. We offer individual and family plans with zero co-pays for online doctor visits 24-7, pediatric visits, mental health care, and more. Some plans even have a cashback benefit, and you'll get access to top-tier providers like Cleveland Clinic. Open enrollment has started, so sign up today at antidotehealth.com slash start. Dollar co-pays and cashback not available on all services or prescription drugs. Consult your plan for more information. Celebrity voice impersonation, not an endorsement. Why go to a single furniture store when you can go to Big Sandy Superstore? Shop and compare America's top five mattress brands, plus Nectar and Purple. And choose from over 22,000 in-stock appliances from the top brands at the guaranteed lowest price. Or furnish the room of your dreams with a large selection of American-built furniture. With financing plans for just about anyone, there's nowhere else quite like it. Big Sandy Superstore. That's 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 a really big no, and that's that's at times what we are pointing to with other teams in the division. Like you look at the Jets and some of their wins, even Miami's recent stretch, uh, Houston, etc. Right, uh, hasn't been. I mean, that, that's spot on with Miami. My, two of his performances against top ten DVOA teams are on defense are completely different than his against the bottom feeders. So that definitely does play a role. Uh, yeah. Whether you want to, how much credit you want to give to it, uh, we'll see. But that's one of those things where schedule plays a role. Uh, I, I want to give New England the credit. I think when you have the track record that Bill Belichick has, you're always going to give him the benefit of the doubt compared to, to other coaches that might not have the same past. But uh, I guess we will see on uh, on Thursday night. Do you expect him to break tendency like out of out of what Bill Belichick does? You saw the Isaiah McKenzie game. We like to call it here you, and and give give him man looks. Or do you expect that that zone to stay? I mean, it's- yeah, I mean, it's it's so weird because if you would ask me that question, Kevin, say a week ago, I would have said, no, they've, they've played so much single high. They played so much man this year. I, I, I'd imagine that's where they're going to want to live. Maybe it's not what I would do. But look, Bill Belichick has forgotten more about football than I will ever, ever know. So if that's what he wants to do with the personnel he has, then great. But then you see that game against Jefferson and you can't help but wonder, hey, week before they played Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills and Stephon Diggs and what we've seen them do against Patriots man coverage looks, maybe this was sort of a tune-up to, hey, say, let's get ready. Let's run some of this stuff. Yes, it should help us against Justin Jefferson tonight, but it might also help us get ready for what we're going to see next week. And so, like I said, if you would ask me this question a week ago, I would have said, no, no, no. Single high, one, three, that's where they want to be. The change up, the tendency breakers, like you sort of described them last week, make me think we might see some more this mm. week. Do you think that they were good at it against the Vikings? What's your opinion on how they played out of tendency? Uh, they weren't perfect. Let's put it that way. I mean, Justin Jefferson still made plays. That that he's, passing game still made plays. I mean, he's a very good receiver. Stephon Diggs is a great receiver. And so – you know, the main thing I think when you're going up against Josh Allen is he's at the point of his career where you have to do some different things. You have to show him some different looks. You have to show Stephon Diggs some different looks. You can't just spot drop on 30 passing downs and say, look, we're going to drop into country cover three. We'll have it figured out. You've got to change some things up. So even if they're breaking tendency on 10 snaps, I think that's going to matter. I, I, so I think that, you know, they weren't great at it. Obviously, they lost. You know, the offense had something to do with that as well. But now they've got a week to sort of, if that's the direction they want to go, iron that stuff out before Thursday night. That's an interesting point of how they did against, calling it against the Vikings, an interesting note, going into multiple Bills matchups um, down the stretch. That is is interesting to get it it practiced. 
hopefully maybe sneak a win against the Vikings. It was a close maybe. game. Catch, no catch. I said no to, to Christopher. I thought it was a catch. Um, I don't want to be living a America's favorite game. What is a catch? We don't know. I, I don't want to live in a world where they're still limiting pass off being in a pass offense, limiting a pass offense. I don't want to live in that world where I want late in the year when Stefan Diggs makes that same play. I'd prefer that to be a catch. Yeah, um, exactly. then, but- then somehow randomly tip the ground like a little bit. And I, I mean, I think he had control of that. That's, that's, that, that's a catch in, in my world, but uh, we can't live there, Mark. We could, nope. uh, we could talk rules all day. There's missed calls all over the field. Uh, Bill's Vikings officiating game back to the Vikings is one of the worst officiating games I've ever seen um, in, the, in, in professional. And that's both ways. Bill had 12 men on the field. 12 out of the point. field. Hey. <laughs> I, I, hey, apparently that's a thing right now. Cause you saw that Seahawks player yeah. going on to the field. I mean, hey, just do like, it. They, they won't catch you half the time. <laughs> I mean, that wasn't caught there live in the huddle in lineup in review. I, I, I don't know. I'm not really right. sure what to tell yeah. you. Then, you know, uh, Knox gets mugged in the end zone. They don't call that. Yeah. Uh, you're just guessing at this point uh, what's what's going to be a game, what's not. Mark, favorite part of the show, it's score predictions. Got to listen to you a little bit on Aaron and Greg's show. Kind of kind of know where you might go with this. Uh, but I always have to ask you, and, and you're right, we might get three matchups like we were talking with Christopher. I think it's very likely you have an AFC East battle in the playoffs, 100%. Mm-hmm. Who will it be? Will it be the Jets sneaking in there? Uh, will it be Dolphins, Bills? Uh, will it be Patriots, Dolphins? I do think you see three AFC East teams for sure. I, I, I'm pretty convinced of that. Um, so we might we might see a three time, but but game one, pretty important game for New England to stay in this thing. Uh, losing here puts them in a big hole. Winning it puts them right in there. So what's what are you thinking, and what what's going to happen? Um, are, is weather okay there in Boston, by the way? What's, it's going to be a, last we looked, it was like, you know, upper forties. All right, baby. You know, we'll maybe slight breeze, <laughs> but like for that's Thanksgiving in New England, you take that, that's your right, Kevin. That's shorts weather. Um, you know, my heart tells me the village Belichick finds a way to, to pull this out, but my head's kind of saying, you know, like I said, with, with Greg and Aaron, 27, 21 Buffalo. Like I said, I think New England could score enough to keep this close. I just don't think that with what we've seen from this team, this offense down in the red zone this season, they're going to have enough to get that one more touchdown that they need. You know, they might have to settle for field goals on one or two drives when they could have had touchdowns or, you know, something like that plays out. I think it's a close game, um, relatively speaking, a one-score game, but I think Buffalo 21-27-21. Okay, interesting. And lastly, anything on the injury front? We know Harris is out. Bill's Harris happy. is out. Um Myers, I think he's, he's like you said, he's going to go. He's got the shoulder. Jalen Mills with a groin is going to be something to watch. Barmore, you know, he's had a lower body, a, a knee that's, you know, going to be an issue. I, I don't know if he's going to go. Wynn was a DNP today on Tuesday. I'd be stunned if he's going to go. I, I think you're going to see, you know, somebody else to tackle there. And so, you know, the, the one to watch for me is kind of Myers. How is he going to look with that shoulder injury? And then, you know, the Mills and the groin, you know, what's his assignment going to be if he goes? Is he going to be limited, which might lead them to more of the zone coverage that we talked about? Because, you know, are you going to take Jalen Mills and put him on Stephon Diggs with safety help? Or are you going to take Jalen Mills and put him on, say, McKenzie or a situation like that? So, you know, his groin might be an issue to watch over the next couple of days. Does Bill in his later years, does is he more conservative or aggressive with, like, questionable players? Does he play them, limit them? What does he usually He's, do? He seems to be more conservative Okay. With, with a lot of things, you know, players, fourth down decisions, things like that. He's got, it's Belichick zigging while everybody's eggs. I mean, everybody's going for it on fourth down. 
He's punting. Like it's been strange to watch, but he's deferring in overtime. I, I actually, when he first did that, I liked that he deferred on special uh, on an overtime. And I'm like, that's interesting. I like that because you get the ball potentially with four downs, you get the yep. ball, the kick field goal, four down offense is hard to stop. Um, yep. I don't hate that, but they went and scored a touchdown. So no one does it. Um, right. I, I actually like that decision really on that's, that's just a side note um, for, like you mentioned, he's zigs and he's zags. Uh, Mark, I saw your, 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 your recent SB nation stuff. I saw you writing about uh, soccer, by the way, soccer uh, F1. Now let me write about all sorts okay. of stuff, Kevin. It's kind of crazy over there. Yeah, as a, as a U.S. men's national team supporter, Big W. Um, um, great game. What is so? What do you have on the fold? What, what are you working on? I mean, gosh, not just a Thursday night game. I mean, are you covering yeah. the entire cup? Entire cup. I have the games covered tomorrow. Um, we'll obviously have Saturday's match with the Netherlands. We'll cover. We'll have that covered as well. Like I said, we're building out some F one coverage. I've got a lot of off season F one stuff that I'm going to be doing. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, they're letting me go wild, Kevin. Are you it's a Hamilton guy? Are you uh Verstappen? What? I have decided I'm a Haas guy. Okay. So I am going to ride with the American team with, with wow. Magnuson and Nico Hulkenberg, who's come back as they sort of let Mick Schumacher let Mick, Schum- Mick Schumacher go. Um, so it's kind of like, you know, I thought about, hey, you know, I'll be a, I'll, I'll ride with Hamilton and, okay. and Mercedes or I'll ride with, I thought about Ferrari for a while, but I'm like, I can't pick one of the good teams. <laughs> Give me the underdog, like American team that's like fighting yeah. for eighth and 10th place every race. So well, that's Ricardo's who I'm like rolling best with. friends with Josh Allen. So I think Bill's fans now like Danny Ricardo. <laughs> yeah. And he's back at Red Bull for next season as their third driver. And I actually wrote about that when he went to see Josh Allen play and he had the big Josh Allen head cardboard i guess josh said if he wins the if they win this year or or in any year he's going to do a shoey so yeah um so that's cool that the bills have had that cross so yeah daniel ricardo was like there with his sign like sign i sign like so play catch with them on the field pregame and everything yeah like he was a little little kid fan so that that was interesting to see f1 pop its head up a little bit it's interesting to see the world's cup pop its head up a little bit um as well u.s makes a splash uh doing what they needed to do in a big game to show that like hey we're still top 15 16 like technically yep. uh in the world so uh, i'd interesting to see if christian pulisic does go saturday so that's just listed that's as just day-to-day yet. listed as day-to-day is already he home we met the team at the, at the hotel so he said he was going to play yep. uh we'll see if, if greg burhalter comes up with something witty against a, a game where i don't think it's a foregone conclusion what happens in that one on saturday so. at all so. mark what else are you working on what are you working on new england so are you working on I, I was reading your feed and I was like, wow, he's writing about everything. So what's, what do you got going on this week? Um, so I'll, I'll have this game covered. I'll probably do a couple of, of pieces during and after the game. I'll probably have something Friday up on uh, how this one turns out. But yeah, like I said, they let me write about everything, man. It's, it's kind of fun. Awesome. Well, I know you've, we've had you on for a few years. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for coming on tonight. Probably going to ask you to come back uh, in a couple of weeks, end of the year, January, actually. So it's about yeah. a month away. And then, Still think there's that outside hope that maybe these teams match up for game three. If there's a game three, you know I'll be here. All right, Mark. Thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate your knowledge as always. One of the best uh, quarterback analysis I I think I can find here on the site. So thank you so much, Mark. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much, guys. Have a great night. Enjoy the game. See you soon. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Woo, Mike. I don't even know how to break down all that knowledge we got from Mark. We got from Christopher. 
that's more than than I can handle. We got we got F one talk there for a minute. We got some soccer talk there for a minute. We got the big shots on the show today. Yeah, and we don't we didn't even get into big hoops. We didn't even get into mid major basketball. Yeah, that's for a different show. Well, good for um, you. <laughs> yeah, I know. We, really. We've been talking too much about that outside of the show. Uh, getting tense between you and me. Everybody thinks that we get tense about the the Bills talk. It's not the Bills talk. No, it's, not the Bills talk. It's the college basketball talk that we get at it. So yeah. Well, Mike's Mike Mike's pro St. Bonaventure, so we have a pro St. Bonaventure uh, unit of the, and I'm negative to St. Bonaventure, um, as we both kind of root for for UB basketball uh, and their up their rise and fall, rise and fall, um, and Mike also roots for Ohio basketball. So there's there's many things to uh, to talk about there for us on the the mid major front. UB Bonas does ma- do match up here shortly, Mike. Before that UB Bona game, even before uh, yeah, that U.S. Netherlands game, night. we have Prediction a th- Thursday night football game, and we need to know what Ooh. you're thinking in this game. Um, and yeah, we really appreciate Mark from coming on. You know, yeah, Mark, Mark is a fantastic guest every year. He he breaks it down for us uh, in every sense of the world. Um, what the Patriots are facing? Right I forgot to ask you though. What is your opinion on on Von saying next next week? What are you thinking about that? I think that might be a little premature. Von can have that optimism. That doesn't mean the team doctors but are going to share it. That means he's getting that from somebody, doctor. I don't think the Jets game is going to be the game. Okay. I think the Dolphins? Miami game will. Okay. I'll take that. Uh, I'll take the Miami game. I don't think they need him against the Jets to win that. The Miami game, different story. Uh, going against Tua, you're going to need to get a pass rush, uh, especially when you, you have guys like Tyreek Hill and uh, Jalen Waddle. So, I'm hoping Vaughn takes the necessary time, gets the necessary rest, and then he he's ready to go. If he's good for the Jets game, tremendous. But I'm I'm not gonna count on that at this point. Uh, I feel like the Bills team doctors are typically going to play the safer side, even in a limited role, Mike. Side. Like like a like a like a closer role of twenty snaps, something like that. You wouldn't. You know. I mean, I, I guess if they if they clear him, then I would be okay with it. I'm not the team doctor. I, I just want them to make sure that they're not putting him on putting him on the field prematurely. But if they if they clear him, then he has the go ahead. I'm all for it. It's going to be interesting though. What Von Miller are we going to see when he is back on the field? Presumably wearing a brace. He acknowledged um, today that there is issues. It's not all good news. That he believes he can play through it, but. Yeah basically reading up on on the type of injury he has it sounds like once the bill season is officially over he's going to go for the the full repair which is going to be uh, a long uh long recovery but should be back in time for the start of next year which is the good yeah. news like we have to talk real quickly too about because you know obviously we do one show a week here we actually really appreciate everybody tuning in to the going deep podcast here on the cover one podcast network great guest as always mark schofield let's not forget to shout out as well christopher from the boston globe um, from the believe network as well amazing guest too really good so give him a follow i thought he gave some really great uh updates and news as well uh coming out of boston so we're really blessed to have a really good uh patriots report but i gotta ask you there's been a little more talk lately as Odell Beckham Jr. is looking to make his decision. I don't know yeah. if we'll talk again before that. Probably close up against when he actually literally has to sign finally. Bills well, it are, looks like there's going to be a visit this week. Yeah, one of three teams. So I didn't yeah, know that so, they'd actually make the final three. 
No, um, I don't think the Giants can be realistic, Mike. They're just they're just they're just the not Giants, realistic. I don't think have a chance. Okay. You don't go back to New York to be on a wild card third, maybe fourth place NFC East team because mm. life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance because you'll feel protected no matter how the wind blows. Also, you can keep enjoying the home of your dreams. And our expert agents can help you save up to 23% when you bundle home with auto. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Washington now getting it going, there is no guarantees that that Giants team is even going to be the top three in their own division. and. Right. When you look at the luck factors, the Giants have been actually winning more than what they probably should be at this point in the season. I would cross the Giants out. But you even compare Buffalo to Dallas. Dallas is most likely going to be a wild card team. Mm-hmm. I understand they have a great quarterback. They have a good offense, good climate, go on the road. history. But Philly is looking pretty dominant right now. Um, I, I still think Buffalo has a chance at him. I'm not going to say they're the favorites. I think Dallas is the favorites, and I would have said that from the point that they started really being part of the discussion just because of uh, all the things that OBJ was saying what was important to him. It seemed to line up with, with Dallas pretty well. I, I do wonder, have we been misled by the national media in recent weeks about where OBJ's head is really at in terms of this? Because I, I find it interesting that for – about two and a half months, we heard Von Miller saying he's coming to Buffalo. He's coming to Buffalo, coming to Buffalo. Then Dallas enters the discussion. The Giants enter the discussion. And it seems like the big market media got excited about the possibility of him returning to his former team or going to America's team. And, and I feel like they kind of just fed into it. You would hear reports by Ian Rappaport discussing the two, acting like Buffalo was out of it. And then when they announced the three visits, there are the bills. And it's like, why haven't we been part of the discussion? Why has that not been uh, part of the conversation? It's been talk like the bills have been out of it. Well, obviously that's not the case. I think in the end, Jerry Jones is going to do whatever it takes to get him. He's got the cap space, Mike. He can yeah. go extra years, seven it's, million against another the cap. Question. Now there's some people rumbling. Is Jamison Crowder going to be able to come back? at the end of the season for the Bills. Is he going to be able to play? That's a that's another significant uh What about John Brown, a guy a guy that we did sign recently, haven't yeah. had a show since. John Brown's in the fold, said he's ready to go. Tanner Gentry's luckily out of um out of practice squad elevations. He already used his three, so that leaves uh the Bills they will play five receivers, sometimes even six, but they will play five right now. They need to elevate somebody. Do they go to John Brown as early as Two days from now, I think it's pretty possible you could see a package of John Brown plays. And this would have to be a work him out situation, correct? He, he, yeah, he said he's clear to go. He's 
making a decision in the upcoming is that offensive i don't i don't know the visit game is that offensive to be like yo dude like we want to sign you but uh, you want to go run some there, some 40s if the bills are bringing them in they're bringing them in to try to sign him this is not paying money yeah they're yeah we're him. past the whole oh he's just doing his joy visits and and having fun going to different places it's now down to the giants bills and cowboys and one of them is going to be signing obj prob presumably in the next week and a half um it at this point you almost have to sign him in the next week or two weeks because next thing you know you're in mid-december and what's the point after that so uh we'll see the the john brown signing uh, i do see some comments about that he might play in a few games i don't want people to have their expectations be unreasonable we're talking about a guy that hasn't played in the nfl all season barely played last season the the talk before uh he he was out of the league was that he had lost a step i i don't want us to to think john brown is going to be the same guy we had when he had a thousand yard season with cole beasley in 2019 um i i like the nostalgia but he's more of a depth piece than anything else and an emergency need because you can't call up gentry i'm hoping the Bills are able to add someone else, whether that be Crowder being healthy enough to return or OBJ in the picture. I want to talk about this real quick, the money side of it. Yes, that's where the Cowboys are going to have the leg up on probably a majority of teams at this team. I think that the Rams being bad and the Packers being bad helped the Bills here. Those were two top contenders that are out. Like Mike said, I don't know that the Giants are much of a contender. I can't really see them seriously being a road light late round or excuse me late uh six seven ranked uh overall team in the playoff nfc playoffs i can't see him signing what i think the bills could do when it talks comes to money you need to go future years whether those are real years whether those are void years whether they are semi-real years the bills will need to go multiple years and will the bills be what what's serious is if they get him in for a workout mike will they go two or three years to lock up a receiver or would you go three years i was yes. Yes. I would be fine with that. I, I, three years. Three years. We come to agreement on money. The cap goes up. I would go three years right now with a boost of OBJ. Um, some type of guaranteed uh, money for him up front, but then some type of of, of out clause for the Bills if something goes wrong on or off the field um, needs to be there too. But I do believe three years. Um, I think he wants guaranteed money. I think he wants to settle down. And I think what's really interesting is, like you said, do we believe the media who is trying to help his agent generate money? Or do we believe Von Miller, a guy that he actually texts? And, uh, we'll find out real quickly. In, and that's what's going to be interesting too, because I do believe the Dallas hype is legitimate. Now yeah. the question is, is the media presuming Dallas is the favorite because of the hype that Dallas is putting out there? Jerry Jones talking, the players on the team talking. The, I I did not hear much from the national media when Von Miller was posting on Instagram about OBJ. There was a few comments about it, a few uh, a few discussions on the networks, but nothing significant. When Jerry Jones and the Cowboys started talking about it, it was all over the place. I feel like the that to me is a little confusing uh, because a person of Von Miller's significance and especially him being a close personal friend to OBJ, I think plays a much larger role than what many have been discussing in this. I thought the New York Giants hype was a little bit odd. There were people that were talking to former coaches of his, 
former friends and colleagues, the only person that knows what he's going to do is OBJ. Now, the the one thing I will say about Dallas is even though they tend to get a lot of these quality free agents, they don't always pony up. This situation, I think they will because they're talking the talk, and I don't think Jerry Jones wants to lose the battle for Mm – OBJ, especially when he has been outspoken publicly on this, but it's far from a guarantee. If the Bills give a give a a respectable offer to OBJ that puts Dallas in a tough situation, it is not a guarantee that that Dallas is going to match or be able to give OBJ what he wants. There's there's a lot that has been yet to be determined in this situation. If if this was a said done deal. OBJ could have signed with Dallas weeks ago, in my opinion. Now, it's interesting, Mike. I do want to bring you that. I mean, it's interesting. Von Miller's cast went right now for us. So we have tons of tons of extra content that I didn't even have in my uh, production notes because Von Miller gives us uh, free content. Thank you, Von, for both your injury update and your Odell Beckham Jr. update. But uh, I and I quote Von Miller here in his cast just 30 minutes ago here as we record here Tuesday night. We really appreciate smash that like button and I'll throw you the quote. Really appreciate it. Helps us bring more content to the network. Like, 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 network. helps us like, a ton. Smash it for us. Um, it, it, it does a lot. And for all of our uh, on-demand listeners, thank you so much as well. So this is recording here as we speak Tuesday evening. Von Miller, I, I quote, says, this ain't over till it's over. I don't think he's leaving. He also kept on that pose for 10 minutes. So, um you know, full court press. He's expected to be in town after the game on Friday. Meet how the much does back. his health play a role in this? Von Miller's health, that is. Meaning if Von someone, would have someone had said that. a more serious injury that he would have been out for the year, I think it might have been decided. I, I think the biggest draw for OBJ coming to Buffalo, I don't think it's the Bills. I, I, I think it's to play alongside his, one of his best friends, and try to win a Super Bowl. And he, he's mentioned wanting to have a place where he can call home for the next two to three years. Yeah. That that's that could probably be any of these teams. Do right? you think a one year deal or if, if you're Odell Beckham Jr., not the Bills or the Cowboys, one year what do you want? One, two, what do you want? One, you don't want just a month, do you? Do you want just a month? It depends. So if I'm as a Bills fan, I want a multi-year deal because what I about think OBJ still has something left in the tank. If and I wanted to be part of this offense. Going forward, if I'm OBJ, I honestly think it does him best to not go after the multi-year deal right now. I I would want the one-year deal, make some plays in the playoffs, and then sign a a longer-term deal with money after showing I'm healthy enough to produce. But that's that's assuming that he is healthy and, and can play at a high level. If he's not... That might explain why he, why he is trying to get his money now and sign a multi-year deal. So there's a lot of different moving parts here. We don't even know what to expect from OBJ. And there has been some rumblings from some of the national reporters that teams aren't 100% confident what version of OBJ they'll even be getting when he hits the field. Obviously, Beckham is trying to put out there that he's ready to go, that he's ready to make an impact. That doesn't necessarily mean that he is. Um, I I would I would hope that's the case, especially if the Bills are going to sign him. If they bring him in and they see that he's nowhere near ready to go, or that 
he's going to be 75, 80% of what he typically has been in the past, I would, I would pass on him in that situation. So I, I do think it's important for the Bills to work him out and see what he has in the tank right now. Because if he's still not at that point where he's ready to go and actually be a productive player, then what is the point going into the postseason bringing him in? You're, you're bringing him in to make an impact. So he has to be at a high level if you're going to to sign him to a deal, especially a multi-year deal. I think he wants the comfort and, and Vaughn, at least whether he goes into the bills or not, is going to preach like, look, I'm later in my career, even older than you. OBJ just turned 30 a couple of weeks ago, by the way. So uh, he's still got some, some left in the tank. Not even worried um, about 30, like at age 30 wide receiver, you can still play football. So. His market value right now per spot track is two years, 26 million. Um, so the good thing is the bills can get away in any team, I guess the Cowboys giants, whoever's realistically alive here can get away with using one of those years this way. You can pay him a prorated amount, uh, as high as you want. You're only gonna have to pay him one month of that salary. So you could sign a three-year deal. One month of it accounts for the one year of it already gone. So I think the bills can get interesting with how they structure this deal and say roster bonus for March 30, March 13th. If you're still on the roster, five more million dollars goes to you. Uh, and your contract becomes guaranteed. The Bills would, and Cowboys too, a team will do that. A team will do that. Either either he's going to take a one-month deal, which is possible, or he's going to take a deal laden with bonuses, laden with likely to be earned incentives, and maybe some unlikely to be earned incentives. So it really depends how, it, how, how interested a team is. And as he comes in on Friday, and if the Bills beat the Patriots, I think he'll have every motivation in the world. The Bills will be like, Vaughn's coming back. Our entire defense is back. Uh, it, it, as bad as it felt on Thanksgiving, Mike, and we haven't talked since then, it felt bad. It felt grim. It felt doom and gloom. We took a victory. It was a bad victory. It was this and that. We we didn't blow them out by 40. Uh, there's so many, like, we, you know, this is bad. We only won by a 23-second touchdown, or excuse me, field goal at the end of the game, which was a huge thing. Checked off a couple boxes. Josh Allen does come back in many games four times this year. He's led the team to a game-tying or winning uh, 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 series. So it, there's there's a lot to be said. To, and now Josh is getting in full practices and the entire team's healthy and you're adding Odell Beckham Jr. and you're getting Von Miller back and Trey White's going to be full reps for Miami at least. Maybe even the Jets may be full reps. By all accounts, maybe even this week full reps because he just wanted one preseason game is what I've heard. I mean, so, the health is going the right direction. Obviously, Von Miller was scary. That's stunk. Josh Allen was scary. But once you get these guys back, it, it's like, you know, it's full throttle what everybody is scared of this Bills team is when they're healthy. And I, it does feel like they're going, getting in the right direction. You can add OBJ if he is healthy. It just adds another dimension to this Bills team. And the, the funny thing now is you're also starting to see the media narrative change where there's some national doubt on the Bills. Chiefs are now the Super Bowl betting favorites. People are starting to get really kind of on the bills for with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky no no nothing like that it's just these cash prizes add up quick so i suggest you sit back keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky play for free at luckylandslots.com are you feeling lucky no purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. 
computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, forward, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The, the close wins. It's when the, when the Bills dominate everybody but lose a few close games. They don't know how to win close games. Now they win close games. Are they as good anymore? While people praise Philadelphia for winning all of those. So the, the contradictions are amazing. Uh, Robert, well, thank you for the super chat. Appreciate that. Uh, Kevin, I will let you get first dibs at this question here. <sighs> Man, it's a, it's a convoluted question. In your opinion, Robert asks, in your opinion, how many of 17's turnovers come from pressing? It looks like the layman, like nothing comes easy lately. Davis drops a ball, the right tackle lets another guy go by, et cetera, and he tries to make up for it. He's a presser, man. Josh Allen presses. This has been his negative back to 18, back to 19, even when he came out of that rookie year. After he had his first elbow injury, many people don't remember. He came back better. Once that healed, the Bills sat him out four weeks. That's the difference here. He's playing these four weeks. The Bills sat him out four weeks with that injury. UCL is not long term. It not it does it, it shouldn't be an issue going forward. It's not. You have to get off season shirt surgery like Vaughn might. Um, he's a presser, and I think that I think that absolutely one of the biggest factors of this is the MVP talk. I really think when he was kind of facing adversity in that Jets game and kind of flashing forward to what he needed to do and presses and really was at the top of the MVP you, race at that time. Do you think pressing is the right word or over overly aggressive? Uh, maybe you could say that they're the same. Both? I, I don't think Josh... It's the same, right? It, it's very similar, very similar. But I think there are slight differences. I think pressing is when you make mistakes because you're feeling the the outside the outside noise i think being overly aggressive is a mindset that's how you play i think mm. josh right now is being overly aggressive yeah. he is trusting himself too much in situations where he shouldn't be the the interception against minnesota the seal to seal the game i don't think that's him feeling outside noise in making a bad throw that's him i think having too much confidence in himself that he can do whatever yeah, roy, he wants roy, roy says arm arrogance, arm arrogance is a better is, is a better description because sometimes when you can make some of the plays that josh allen can you you don't have that self-doubt that is required to be a great nfl quarterback at times it's the brett Favre syndrome you can you can do some of the most remarkable things on the field but then you also have to know your own limitations at times. And I think sometimes Josh doesn't always have that thought process, but I will say. Mike, is he pressing for his defense though? He knows that kicking a field goal won't get it done. He, he just watches defense barely only do one thing in that game. That was stop a goal line drive that put them on the inch line. That's all they did in the Vikings. Literally it. It's the, the Jets. Is he pressing for his defense? I, I even think some of the, the interceptions, some of the turnovers were just lack of seeing the field properly. The the Jets first interception when he's rolling out defensive end in his face he just doesn't see that there's a guy on Dawson Knox uh, the the turnover on the, against the Lions dude that's a great they it was actually a bad play call they knew the, the play was the coming. turnover where he he fumbles the snap and leads to a Vikings mm-hmm. touchdown at the end that's just a freak a, a freak play so I don't want to say injury. pressing I do think 
his injury is impacting him. I think that's clear at this point. Uh, there are certain throws that he is missing that you would consider routine for him uh, yeah. that we haven't seen him miss po- this poorly since he was a rookie. Um, and and I think Tony Romo hit on an, an important point. I, I said, I think, during one of the earlier interviews we had on the show. He, he said during Thanksgiving that Josh is a few weeks away from being healthy again, fully healthy again. And when Romo is saying that, he's not just making crap up out of nowhere. The, the broadcasters get 20 to 30 minutes to uh, to sit down and, and talk to the, the players and coaches prior to every game. And, and a, a more respected broadcaster like Romo is going to get more insight. And oftentimes they don't reveal all the stuff that they're told. But And we're going to get right to the, your second Super Chat in one second here. But when, when Romo is saying something like that, that is Josh directly telling Romo, right now this injury, it's, it's impacting me a little bit. I'm going to be back to full health in a couple of weeks. And if you remember, um, you obviously referenced the, the UCL injury he had his rookie year where he sat and then he came back stronger. Josh Allen also had, I believe it was a shoulder injury his, uh, in 2020 against the Raiders where he started the year hot and then went through a stretch of three or four weeks where looked kind of average. And one of the broadcasters said, he's not feeling great. Give him a couple of weeks. And then what happened? went off, tore it up at the end of the year. I do believe Josh battles through certain injuries out there that maybe some other quarterbacks wouldn't be out there playing with and that we're hard on him because we're used to excellence. But this is Josh battling through. When he does get fully healthy in a couple weeks, I think we're going to see that excellence uh, return. It's not like scoring 25-plus points is as bad as it was. And Kevin, I'll let you take over again with this. Yeah, and I think this point is even good, even just as good by Robert. We've talked a lot in in our chats and and offline about the scheme and is it doing him any favors. I think part of the reason Ken Dorsey got the job was because he was was going to let Josh be him. He wasn't going to come in and change the scheme and run a totally different style of offense, a completely new system. Um, that, you know, Josh may have to argue with part of the issue has been for this team to say, Hey, Josh, just go do whatever. Like that is what it feels like at times where Dorsey's calling plays like, Hey, there's, uh, you know, there's a kill route. There's calling two plays in the huddle. You know, you're calling a uh, second play and that Josh can check to, you know, you're, you're doing option routes, you know, three guys are running into each other back to that play you referenced in the end zone against Minnesota, where three guys were literally 10 yards apart. Um, no one pulled off Patrick Peterson off that route. Routed space, a lot of I forget what they called, but the trailing routes, uh, as well, where they'll have McKenzie run basically the same route short. Uh, the, the scheme has been an issue. Dable drew up a bunch of easy touchdowns for this Bills offense in the last, the last few years. Th- things almost came too easy for them at times which is kind of the funny part about the season where the bills are actually higher overall in scoring ranks, yards per game ranks, but it doesn't feel like it's coming easier. It's Josh has had to be that hero quarterback on a game by game basis. So yes, it it is the unfortunate thing where yes, we're, we're not making it any easier on Josh right now, but that's the part where you're lucky you have a quarterback of that talent where he can battle through and still get you results, even when it's not an easy situation for him. So thank God Josh Allen is the Bills quarterback because 
I, I think Dorsey's going to get better, but it has not been uh, a great run of it in recent weeks. Notably, like we talked about with Mark and um, even even a little bit earlier on the show with Christopher was the fact that the red zone offense has been so poor. And that comes back down to this topic that, that, that Robert brings up is the offense and the scheme. There's been some issues in the red zone. It's been, you know, kind of a lack of creativity. They haven't found ways to beat zone coverage. They have obviously done well against man. Uh, we saw Isaiah McKenzie's like a man beater. He's on the roster to beat man coverage. We haven't seen a ton of it with Josh Allen. You see a lot of too high. Uh, you don't see a lot of man coverage, but when you do, that's when Isaiah McKenzie's very useful in an offense. And that's why he's active and what he can bring as really a really good receiver against man coverage period. Um, so that's the bills see little of it at times. Uh, when you, when you see man coverage against not as good slot corners, that's when you get the best of Isaiah McKenzie. Now, anyways, you fast forward to potentially what the, the Patriots might do. We need to see more creativity in the red zone. Now, Mike, you, you mentioned it earlier with will Josh be the better version of himself coming off of an injury it's starting to be going toward that way because full practice, full practice, full practice, you know, we'll see what Wednesday says, probably full practice is a pretty good place to be compared to a game plan. When half the locker room sick, um, half the, you know, he's not literally throwing like they barely practiced for two he's weeks. running around and doctors themselves said like, he wasn't going to play as of Monday that week that he played against the Vikings, he wasn't playing. Um, so uh, it's easy to say, and they still, the Bills still almost went out and went three and oh in that stretch. So I think that they feel going two and one with a fumbled snap touchdown slash pick in the, in the end zone in, 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 in overtime away from being three and oh during Josh Allen's elbow gate. Like, I, I don't know. That's definitely could be 11 and oh, that's definitely it, it, better wow. than, Case Keen. I think that they feel like they're in a better spot than had Case Keenum started three games. I really do think that 100%. with with the 100%. defense maybe pressing. Um, back to the pressing question and struggling straight up. They're missing one of their best players. Uh, they were missing a lot more. You know, the defensive line rotation was literally Shaq Lawson, who thank God that they capped and Boogie Basham, and they weren't even really playing Mike Love. They had no they had no rotation going on in the defensive line. Uh, then you have you know, AJ Klein off the street playing, you have Dodson struggling, you have a cornerback mixture, you have Trey White coming in early in the game and looking good, shutting down the lines. I know it was only two series, but his numbers came out pretty good. There's just a lot to digest with the Bills defense. Uh, and the Bills felt like they were in a better situation with two wins and an overtime loss with a fumbled snap. They felt like it was a pretty good scenario for potentially people talking about Tommy John, people talking about at least four weeks. Uh, I mean, that's what you're able to get out of those three weeks. I mean, you take that all, you know, three, one score games, two of them being wins. I think for sure you take that any day of the week. And is this the first week you see full strength, Josh? I think you see full strength, Josh, against the Jets. They lost yeah. to the new, uh, to the Jets, 10 more days of rest. I, that at home, I just think the bills will, we'll save that score. We'll have, we'll have tie back on, uh, from let's talk jets next week. Um, I think that that's when you start to see full strength Josh uh, next week. And if he's able to bridge it here with his fourth game off the injury, uh, to me, that's really where you, where you, this is the kind of the make or break of like that four weeks. That was probably, he was sitting out probably till this game was, I would have guessed this would have been the game he would have played. I would have been close to him playing. And you gotta say, thank God we had Josh for these three games because with how they all went, I think you. it's possible it could have been an 0-3 stretch. I was confident that the Bills could have won a few of them with Case Keenum going in, but the way that they played out and how tight they ended up being, I think it's very realistic. The Bills could have lost 
the last two games, and and that would have happened, you would have been talking about six and five right now in must-win situation uh, against the Patriots. So thank God Josh was able to battle through because even 85% Josh Allen yeah. is still better than the majority of quarterbacks in the NFL. And we do have to uh, just share this quick uh, message from Greg Thompson uh, from one of our great uh, sponsors for Cover One. Hey guys, Cover One is excited to announce our new partnership with BetUS. BetUS has a live wager in on all major games, the best betting variety in the business, and an easy deposit and withdrawal process with the fastest payouts in the industry. Our loyal Cover One fans get a choice between two exclusive offers, either a 125% sign-up bonus on your first deposit up to $2,500, or a free $50 bet with no deposit required. Just use promo code COVER1 on the links provided in the show description below. BetUS where the game begins great partnership we have there actually with tse buffalo as well get out there check out tse buffalo we have some great stuff i i, I scored a, a haul check out my tweet from a couple days ago of great black friday Mon- cyber monday you know kevin stuff. ever since our partnership with tse buffalo and me speaking to tyler bass all <laughs> he's gone on to do is go six for six against uh the browns tying a Bills franchise record, and then getting a game-winning last-second kick against uh, the, yep. the Detroit Lions. So I don't want to say I played a role in that, but I asked him about his process. He told me what he does um, heading into every kick, who he looked up to. Mentioned, uh, obviously, Tucker, Janikowski, uh, likes to take a breath, go through uh, yep. go through his motions. And, uh, you know, outside of the missed extra point, I'm not going to take blame for that. But Tyler Bass has been <laughs> – you know what's funny about the mixed extra point? We had two guests on today. So this is, I wanted to talk real quickly about the Thanksgiving day game. We didn't talk too much about it. Uh, we usually recap the game at the end of the, the episode. It worked out. The missed extra point helped them. That was my question to you. Like we talked about this. I think it was the it was the Vikings game where we said, did them missed extra point on the Vikings end? It hurt, hurt the, bills. the Bills. It hurt the Bills. Because here's the thing. Four if down trust, offense. If you trust that your defense will hold them out of the end zone, well, then, yes, you want to make the extra point. You you want to have the four-point lead. But the the deeper analysis shows when a team is trailing by three downs. with under two minutes left on offense, they play more conservatively. They play three-down football, and if it's a fourth and one or kick a 45-yard field goal, they tend to go for the field goal instead, even though the, the numbers would say you got a good chance of getting this this fourth down and still continuing your drive and having a shot to score and win the game. So you look at what Detroit had done against the bills on Thanksgiving up until that point, they were converting on their, their fourth and shorts. They were, they were aggressive the entire game that third and one, they go for a decent length pass incomplete. And then they settle for the field goal with, and and the bills ended up actually capitalizing when they put time back on the clock, because at first it seemed like that was going to be a negative for the bills. Next thing you know, they kicked the field goal. The Bills had three timeouts in uh, 20-something seconds. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I, I think it was 23 seconds. I felt confident the Bills were going to have a chance to kick a field goal and win the game, and they did. Well, that's what was funny about the 11 seconds. Originally, that might have been the reason you go for it. Now, without that 11 seconds, I might agree with the decision to kick a field goal. There isn't much benefit to converting. Yeah, yeah, there's a chance you can get 10 more yards, make it a shorter kick. I don't know that you're going to go for the win in that situation. I don't. If I was destroyed. I would have wanted that clock a little bit lower because yeah. I would have wanted to take as much time off as possible. And 13 up, seconds is like the line. You should know that. It should the, be about 12 seconds. The lines were very poor with their clock management management throughout the game. Even the situation uh, late in the first half when they had a chance to not run a play going into the two-minute warning, they decided to snap it beforehand. And then even the way they, they were handling their timeouts. I thought mm-hmm. uh, Dan Campbell showed poor uh, awareness, situational it's awareness. The last thing you know, running the clock. Loved his aggressiveness on the other fourth downs prior to that. But uh, coaching in the NFL, you would think that in the year 2022, we'd have a little bit idea, a little bit better idea how to manage a clock, when to call timeouts, when to go for it, not go for it. And some of these these football brains still don't get the, the most basic of concepts. There's a lot going on as a head coach. You're making plays. You're in the emotion. You're, you're going through injuries. I'm not saying I could do it. I'm just saying that would be the one part I probably – I think it's the last thing you learn. Look, McDermott was terrible. I mean, I'm just going to be honest. He He was was. pretty bad. He's improved a ton. He's gotten a lot better at it. He can focus more on – he has a quarterback he trusts. He can focus more on what's going on in game management stuff than calling the defense. Um, So, like, you're calling a defense. Let's say you're on defense. You're calling the defense. Like, you know, you need to make a good play call on fourth down, you you know, and and then you have to factor in the exact literal analytics around 203, 159 on the clock. It's a lot. Um, they should be good at it. They get paid millions and millions like, of dollars. The one common um, thing where a lot of teams will, will mess up with the timeout usage is when you're – it's it's normally always around the two-minute warning. When you a lot of coaches, they will – say a team gets a first down. They have three timeouts uh, left, uh, and they allow a first down. So a lot of coaches will let it go down to the two-minute warning going into the fourth quarter. Then they'll call their three timeouts after – uh, the, the warning and they'll get the ball back with maybe 140 135 call your timeouts before you get to that part make them run plays before the two minute warning because then you if you do get a stop you're going to get the ball back closer to two minutes not 135 it's basic math but i do understand when you have all this other stuff going on that that's why you need to have someone besides you that can tell you this and tell a coach hey we need to call timeout right now. And, the problem or, was, hey, don't run a play before this two-minute warning. The problem with the Saturday situation, and, and McDermott actually is a little bit more like Saturday than he was Campbell in terms of like running, letting run too much clock. I don't hate it. I think it's the right solution to – Saturday got a little bit nutty with it, especially for not having a top offense when you don't have Patrick Mahomes, uh, Josh Allen, et cetera. I don't hate running as much time off the clock as you can. You shouldn't get crazy with it, but you should err on not needing to rush in situations where you have three timeouts, where you have, you're at the 50. You shouldn't necessarily rush in those situations. Analytics will show, Mike, Mike, you just said it. 
you don't want to leave 23 seconds on the clock. Uh, that's way too much time for the other team to get in the field goal range, especially if that team has timeouts. Like the thing that people forget about 13 seconds, they had three timeouts. That's more than enough to run multiple plays. And it's just so hard to defend their best plays in a situation where they can throw anywhere. It's not just you have to start changing the way we think about norms in football back even 10 years ago, you take a kneel if you got a kickoff return and you had the ball in your 25 with 40 seconds left in the half. Well, maybe if you have a crap back, a crap quarterback uh, that you don't have any faith in, yeah, you run the ball, you hand it off, you take the halftime. You got Josh Allen, you got 40 seconds, and you have well, a chance to score points on the board, and you have a couple timeouts. I think in hindsight, what, what Kansas City showed is that when you are playing an elite offense, there is – there's no time low enough to where you are safe. Uh, anything can, can happen. Even Baltimore against Jacksonville. Um, Lamar Jackson in Baltimore, they got the ball back with almost no time. Justin Tucker, yeah, 67 yards is an outrageous distance to try a field goal. But there was a little part of me that had my heart racing, wondering, can he do this? And he, he came up short. But you get five more yards, he probably makes it. So uh, unless you are up, Four plus points. Uh, all you really need is 15 to 25 seconds uh, to receive a ball, get a field goal range. Well, when you when you need just a field point. goal with as good as kickers, you mentioned Bass are these kickers can what, make it from so long. You don't. That's need, scary. Yeah, that's scary. That you don't need a ton. You get it at the 25. You need 30 yards. 30, 35. That's drives. another part it's of scary. the game. Now with the touchback being the 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 25 yard line, and you know what? That's another decision that we can discuss about Dan Campbell and did he mess up. They kicked it They kicked it through the end zone. They didn't even take any time off for the Bills. What were we saying all after 13 seconds? We were saying the Bills should have squibbed it. They should have. They win it. if they squib it. The Bills win if they squib it. Why did Dan Campbell have the Lions kick it through the end zone? Makes no sense at all. Granted, Josh Allen still threw a dart and the Bills would have, if he completes that dart, would still have been – Closer. Maybe he's afraid of a, a miss kick where the Bills get good field position. I, I'm wanting as much clock off as possible before that ball gets to Josh Allen's hands. And I I I think that was a mistake, <laughs> yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, it still didn't matter as the team had extra plays down in the red zone. All right, basically <laughs> almost got to the red zone. Um, um, but yes, you're right. In theory, that's the right play. We talked about it all offseason, and I'm, I'm going to die in the horse that they they definitely win the game Have they squid the ball. Uh, maybe the Lions would have, maybe they wouldn't have. Um, but I, I still think the Bills win, but it, it might have made a difference. And I, I get it. Squib is is a risky proposition, but you saw what the Bills did when they, when they squibbed it. Most of the time, you get a minimal return. Is is and it risky though? Like, what's well, the, the risk, risk is that your kicker completely bodies it, and you, get you end 40. up giving yeah. up great field position. And then the other risk is because it's not your traditional kickoff uh, coverage Hines that one? something fluky could happen. Obviously, we all remember the Music City Miracle—the one time that a squib kick backfired on a on a team. But I, I would say if you trust your return coverage unit, a squib kick makes sense because it's typically a non-returner who's taking the ball and getting five to seven yards and you kill about three, four seconds. And the other option, you could always do the more risky, kicking it short of the goal line, forcing a return. Um, But that can obviously be dangerous depending on who the returner is. Right. 
Whew, wow, what an wow. action-packed show, Mike. About a lot today, Kevin. An hour and 50 minutes. We had two great guests. Basically went 30 more minutes than we normally do. We had two guests on today. Uh, Mike, it's time. We haven't gotten score predictions in. We have to we have to rip these off. I know yeah, there's no film, room, no film room tonight, right? Um, I'm not sure, but we got to be quick either way. Okay, Mike, throw your score prediction out. We heard uh, Christopher's and we heard Mark. What's so the line? Five and a half right now? Bill's favored? Move uh, to five. Do we Move know an over-under what, what it's at right now? Yeah, we do. So the line actually moved to five points um, in this in this game. So the over under is set at forty six, forty seven. Yeah, it was something pretty reasonable in this game. So it's forty three and a half. The line actually Ooh. just moved to four minus four. Yeah, that I'm a little, I'm getting a little nervous with this line being tight, but I'll say something. Bills twenty. I like the twenty seven twenty one. Um, I'll. Okay. But that that over under at being forty three, you don't normally see that with the Bills being such a low a low total. I'll, I'll go Bills 27-21. I think they're gonna have a solid game plan for the Patriots. I think you're gonna see Josh Allen look look sharp. But the Patriots they always find a way to to make these games tight for three quarters. I think uh, in the end though, uh, the Bills will get it done. I agree. I have the Bills covering uh, the spread in this game. I don't think that you'll see uh, the bills win with a cover i know the bills have been one in five against the cover lately i don't think this is the situation or the game where the bills will win but they'll cover the i don't think they'll win by three for instance i do believe the bills get it done i have it as a little bit higher of a scoring i think you see a very similar to the vikings game they're going to run out of tendency i asked mark if he thought the patriots did well i think the answer was no i mean i don't believe they did very well in the in out of tendency in a cover uh, in a different situation, like a cover two, dropping two. Uh, I don't believe they played specifically very well in that situation from what I was able to see uh, from the Vikings-Patriots game out of their typical, uh, what they like to do, as, as Mark said, cover one, cover three, different situations like that, and not with their too high look. So I do believe that the Bills are going to be too much, and I think you see a healthy Bills team minus Von Miller and Micah Hyde. Uh, we'll see what Deion Dawkins is able to do here tomorrow <clears throat> if he's able to go. But outside of that, the Bills are pretty healthy. So I have a score of 30 to 17 Buffalo is a number okay. that uh that okay. I've been that I've been jumping out at covering the spread and also the over in this game. I think the over at 43 is fairly easy money. I don't want to say yeah, fully. Whenever they have something that seems ridiculous, there's normally a good reason I why. I don't see a 20 to 17 game. I really don't. I could be wrong. We'll 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 have to see on Thursday. I hope uh, you're right. I, I thirty hope seventeen. Right. I'm feeling real good about thirty seventeen. I, I just it just jumped out to me yesterday. Um, so as we see some score predictions come in here, Royce is thirty one twenty three. Jason says twenty four thirteen. Jason, I also liked your opinion on the squib kicks. Um, I do believe you're right. With the 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 negative is like Mike said, ten to fifteen yards ahead of where they should have had the ball, negating the time lost um, on the clock for that. So you're probably right, and maybe it's harder to execute with your return coverage than we it looks than it is on Madden. So uh, that's that's very uh, possibly why people don't do that. Um, in situations where it's a little bit harder to fully execute at the end of the game when you don't run too many squibs. Um, so I'm always okay with bad offensive teams. All, all history says the Bills actually played some good offensive teams, Mike, in Cleveland and Detroit. They were DVOA pretty good. The Patriots um, team is one of the lowest-ranked DVOA offenses. Okay, there. The Bills defense has been struggling. They need a good right defensively. I'm okay with a little bit of struggle on offense. Um I need to see the defense get a little bit right. And at least on the defensive side of the ball, 
I know we're going to be yelling about the offense a little bit. I think that Josh Allen will always figure it out in these situations. I don't think the, 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 the Thursday night benefits New England very much. They played on Thanksgiving too, um, to a situation to where they are missing some offensive linemen. They're missing their really one B. Um, I think the Bills are able, they don't have a receiving core that they trust a lot. I think you're going to see a lot of short passes. The Bills are going to allow that to happen. So we'll see what happens throughout this game, Mike. But an action-packed two hours from the Going Deep podcast. We really appreciate no no film room tonight on the Cover One Podcast Network. We had uh, uh, them break down. We had Nate Geary on breaking down with Eric Turner just a couple of days ago in their film room session. So I think that that was probably early. So no film room tonight. So we're happy to fill in some extra time here. Had some great – appreciate Mark Schofield um, from SB Nation coming out. And as well as Christopher, as he, he was a great guest too. So make sure you go out and follow Christopher from the Boston Globe and the Believe uh, Podcast Network. So from Kevin and Mike, we'll be back at you next Tuesday at seven to talk, maybe talk a little bit about this game, but we'll have Ty, we'll have Tyson back and his loyal followers to talk Jets uh, and a game where, you know, it could be pretty interesting for the Bills. Talk some Jets win. and an Ohio Bobcats Mac. Football championship. Who cares? Snapping a 54-year drought. The green and white are the good guys this weekend. Next week, they're the bad guys. Okay, fine. Whatever you say. Um, we'll see who wins the max. Pretty poor football conference as it's turning out to be in a pretty poor team bas- in the state of Ohio, the Ohio Bobcats. Pretty poor basketball conference, too. From the U.S. men's national team pulling off of a, an improbable, not an improbable. Go USA. Uh, uh, we didn't know which way that would go, so it was really interesting taking down a really tough uh, Iran team as well as getting it done against England in a tie scenario where England's been pretty much beaten up on everybody. So that was cool to see. The Bill or The, the U.S. men's national team will play Saturday, so something for you guys to watch um, from, a, uh, from a sports standpoint. But from Kevin, that's Mike. We will really appreciate everybody uh, coming on. And, yeah, we do see your comment. 2818 says, Appreciate the comments. Uh, appreciate you from Twitch as well. And for all on-demand listeners tuning in, on, on, we'd love you guys to come on and chat if you're ever able to Tuesdays at 7 p.m. live on the network. But, Kevin, that's Mike. We'll catch you guys here 7 p.m. from the Cover One Podcast Network next week with Tyson Rauch from Let's Talk Jets. Josh Allen looking deep, going deep. me talking about the build what else would you rather be doing we're hoping to add a, a new dimension to the cover one network right now i just want to talk about this championship level i've never had a championship caliber team to talk about i want to focus so more on the storylines each week what are the big stories going on with the bills what are uh thoughts commentary how do these things impact buffalo deep drop with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
When someone is hurt in a truck accident, the one question everyone has is why did this terrible collision happen? To answer that question takes an experienced team of lawyers and experts. Not everyone has this type of experience. At Colombo Law, we are truck injury lawyers. It's what we do every day. When someone is hurt by a truck, Colombo Law is the law firm people call to get answers. Hurt by a truck? Call Colombo Law.